You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this program. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Brooks Childress with me as we have a fun show planned for you on this Friday. We'll get you set for Auburn and LSU inside of Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. We'll preview the matchups there and tell you what you need to know ahead of Auburn and LSU coming up in just over 24 hours. We'll also look at some of the other big games going on in the country this weekend, a few top 25 matchups to hit on and some SEC games to hit on, and so we will be previewing all of that. Also talk a little MLB as the Braves departed from the 2023 postseason last night, and so we'll give our thoughts on wrapping up the season Uh, in very short order again in the playoffs. And, of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join the show today. We've also got high school football across the networks of Tiger Communications tonight. Brooks Childress will not be on the full show today because he'll be headed out to Borgard High School as the Borgard Hornets get set for a big area matchup on homecoming night tonight. That is a 6.30 airtime right here on Tiger 95.9 and 7 o'clock start time. And over on FM Talk 93.9, Smith Station fresh, fresh off a bye week. They will be back in action against the Opelika Bulldogs. Uh, They're at Smith Station. So, again, airtime just after 6.30 with a kickoff shortly after 7. And then after the conclusion of that game, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show each and every Friday night at 10 o'clock to midnight on FM Talk 93.9. So that's what we've got going on. We also got uh, one more game, I guess, to tell you about, not in the high school ranks, but tomorrow We'll have on FM Talk 93.9 the Ohio State-Purdue game as we've continued to partner partner with Compass Media and with Touchdown Radio so the Ohio State-Purdue game can be found tomorrow on FM Talk 93.9. So I think that about covers that as we get going here on this Friday edition of the show. Cam, we'll start with you. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing all right. Sad because the Braves are no longer in the MLB playoffs, but uh, surviving um doing doing a doing pretty good ready to talk some um some auburn and lsu talk about that matchup uh give give my thoughts on that uh i I didn't give any on wednesday so uh definitely going to get fully into it today and and you know obviously pick pick who i'm gonna win and who's going to win and things like that so yeah um doing great it's a friday got a wedding to go to this weekend so 
uh, excited to go do that with the lady and um, uh, watch some Falcons football on Sunday like I do pretty much like religiously. So <laughs> that's uh, that's all I got. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And then Brooks Childress also on the show for the first hour or two today. Brooks, how are you? I'm doing great. Can we address, let me, let me address something. You're going to a wedding on a fall Saturday? Yes. I don't want to talk about it. I thought we discussed this yeah, before. I, I, and, and somebody didn't get the memo. Peop, I, it's, it it yeah, baffles somebody, me. Somebody is didn't it, get the where, memo. Where is it located? It's somewhere in the Prattville area. All right. So even worse, yeah. you're going to a fall wedding for somebody that is having it in the state of Alabama. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a national yeah, holiday. You, you what, what, I mean, uh, it's a you weekly holiday. You know what time holiday. the wedding is? Is it? What time is it? It's at 445. Yeah, All right, reception to follow. Let me, let me add. Are they a, a reception to follow? Are they which, which teams do they support? I don't know. You don't know because I was going to say that is going to be after the Bama game is over. Bama plays at eleven tomorrow, <laughs> and so it, it could have worked Honestly. out where they answer after the Bama game, right? Although, also, right. if it's at four thirty, you could get the reception to put on the Auburn game. We'll see if I have that kind of luck. I don't think I will. Oh, see, man tough it's fine i probably I, again i just uh, yeah, brooks is someone who got wed in the spring yeah like i did I, i'm like I a planned. smart man yeah i planned <laughs> for, sure. for sure for sure I, I i told lauren i was like if, if we ever get you know to that point in our relationship and, and we're getting married it's not going to be during the fall the spring is really pushing it as well honestly i i know summer weddings are also not a good thing because it's too hot or whatever but i might believe in that and we could just, just make it indoors. at that point? We or? could just make it indoors. Why not? Well, yeah, we're indoors. Weddings yeah. don't have to be outdoors. No, right. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. So, you know, we'll see. But if, if we if we get to that point, Listen. then she'll probably bully me and, and just, you know, say, we're going to have it when I when I want to have it. Listen, here here's the key, Cam, <laughs> is you let you 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 let let them have everything that they want or most uh, to it to a point. But you say the only thing that I, I request is a spring wedding. Okay. That is all you That's like. Fair. Eh. I can I can get through on a spring. And then you play ball with everything else. Wedding. Like yeah. you're 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 in on everything you know, they're like, oh I want the blue napkins. Boom. Done. Oh, can we hit, get these flowers? Yes. Fantastic. It's you, you play ball so, with everything else. You, you just need yes, a yes, mid yes. to late you're, April wedding. Say you don't want to be mid April. You don't need mid to late March. That's yeah, no, no. Absolutely not. Yep. Absolutely, I already messed up and made my dating anniversary in March. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. I remember that. Wasn't thinking. Yeah. yeah. So I have to live with that now, and until we reach a different milestone. Yeah. So yeah. It just is what it is. I'll tell you what, Cam. I'll tell you what. Even when you do reach a different milestone, they don't let you forget the uh, the, the dating anniversary. Yeah, February is a big old month for Brooks. Yeah. You now have to go as much as you used to, right? But they they still want to acknowledged is is I what I've been it. what I've been That's told. Fair. That's fair. Okay. All right. Yeah. Acknowledge Lessons. it with NCAA tournament tickets. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so a little little spring wedding well, advice. Lessons yeah. from wedding a, advice. I didn't know that's where we were going. Brooks, otherwise, you asked me how how my day was, but then he other than being disgruntled on Cam's behalf, how I, are you? I yeah. I listen. I like to advocate for folks. I, that's my. It, <laughs> it's what you, it's Brooks. it's one of my um, missions in life is to advocate I, for no more fall weddings. Appreciate um, it, and it, especially in the state of Alabama. Other than that, I'm fine. Uh, was locked in with baseball last night and then entered postseason depression afterward and 
it's uh, it's 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 not fun. Uh, but the, the thing is, is I get get to immediately turn our attention to football this weekend. Football always makes me happy, no matter what. Um, and there's a lot of good games on this weekend. A lot of big games in the NFL, a lot of big games in uh, college football. Get things started tonight, like you were mentioning, with a lot of big high school football games in the area, especially right here on our on our stations. And so, it, it's going to be a good weekend, no matter what. It's it's. But last night, last night hurt a little bit. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, we will get into that game a little bit later, uh, but certainly not the type of losing, just not the type of result. Period that the Braves were. Uh, hoping for and expecting for coming into the playoffs. We'll deep dive into that again a little bit later. Let's do lead off, though, today with some Auburn and LSU as the Tigers go to Death Valley to take on the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Sixth game of the year for Auburn, who's already had their bye. Seventh game of the year for LSU, 4-2 and two on the season. And, guys, we've been talking all week about Jaden Daniels and trying to figure out ways to not stop him because it's not likely, but to just slow him down to prevent all the big touchdowns and to prevent drive after drive of success for LSU. We've also talked throughout the week about on the offensive side of the ball for Auburn and uh, if not now, then when for pass production and then still the ability to take advantage of a weak LSU uh, defense LSU still favored uh, pretty heavily in this game, 10 to 11, 12 points, depending on where you look, uh, but certainly in the in the low uh, double digits there. Uh, third straight game, obviously, for Auburn being underdogs. So still um, trying to overcome the odds for sure as they go on uh, to take on LSU. Yeah, I mean, overcome odds is, is an understatement. Uh, yes, LSU's defense is very, very, very bad, but their offense is um, very, very, very yeah. good. Um, third in the nation in, in yards and in just total offense, actually. So um, really amongst the best in the nation. Um, so that's really just how they've been able to win games. They've just been able to outscore people, except for for some reason Ole Miss and uh, what uh, and Florida State. So just uh, they they just put up a lot of points, put up a lot of yards, and 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 Auburn's gonna have to find a way to stop that. Maybe on defense, you put a spy on Jaden Daniels. That kind of prevents the running. You know, using using him him using his legs, getting out of the pocket. Uh, see if that works for you. Um, your 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 corners are just gonna have to. They're just gonna be a. It's just gonna be a busy day for them. It's just they're they're gonna have to do the best they can, and that's a talented group. Um, so I I'm not gonna say that they won't, but I mean just playing that position in general is very very hard. Um, and 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 LSU has some really really talented receivers. Looking at stats right now, uh, just the difference, the stark difference. In Auburn's offense and in um, in in LSU's offense, um, Jaden Daniels has thirteen hundred more passing yards than Peyton Thorn. <laughs> um, their leading rusher, uh, I don't know his first name, Diggs, has two hundred more rushing yards than Jarquez Hunter and Malik Neighbors, their leading receiver, has over six hundred more receiving yards 
So if that you're, was just last week, that was li- <laughs> I mean seriously, man. Just um, then, then our leading Auburn's leading receiver in Jay Fair. Um, so. I mean, if you're Auburn's offense, this is like a great opportunity to get right, especially in the passing game, because this is a very weak defense. Um, but I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to put up enough points to stand much of a chance. As, as as much as you know, I put the cap at <laughs> for Georgia. I put the cap at what thirty points, like t- between twenty eight and thirty points, twenty seven and thirty points. Where if they got up to that much, then you just you didn't stand a chance if you're Auburn. Well, LSU is definitely going to put up that many points. Just no matter what you say, do whatever, they're going to score that many points. They do consistently score that many points. I mean, 49 against Mizzou, 50 or 49 against Ole Miss, 34 against Arkansas, 41 against Mississippi State, and then they beat Grambling State 72 to zero or 72 to 10. Um, so they are going to put up a plethora of points, and I just find it unfortunate. I, I know that the defense is going to do the best that they can and try to get as much pressure and and, and give Jaden Daniels a bunch of di- different looks, but. Um, you know, Hugh Freeze really said it himself. He's somebody that probably should be in the Heisman conversation. It's just the LSU has two losses, and unfortunately, the defense is so bad. And I know that's not anything that he can control, but um, you know, most of the time, the Heisman is is now going to a team that you know the play uh, the going to a player whose team is undefeated now. Like it kind of really is along the lines of that. So. Um, Unfortunately for Jaden Daniels, he's not as much in the conversation as he probably should be. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just going to be a tough day. It's a night game in Baton Rouge. Um, you hope to do the best that you can if you're the Auburn Tigers. If you're the offense, try to get something clicking because the defense is bad, um, and and see if maybe maybe you can you can put some put a decent amount of points on the board. Yeah, you know, we, we've mentioned it this week. You, you look at this game. Um, Hugh Freeze talked about it on Monday in his, in his weekly presser is you can't, you, you can't go into this, this game with the mindset you're going to outscore LSU. Uh, you, you look at the last two games they've played, that Ole Miss game and that Missouri game, both of those teams felt like they went in with that type of mentality where you're going to uh, outscore them. Ole Miss was able to do it. Missouri was not, um, and, but they got dang close. And so I, I think, and, you know, I said this yesterday, we talked about it a little bit, but I, I think that if you're Auburn, you're going to have to go out there and uh, you're going to have to limit their possessions. Uh, I think that that's, you, you got to hold the ball a while. You got to have some long drawn out drives. I know, you know, with, uh, you know, with this Hugh Freeze offense, you kind of want to go a little bit quicker, but you know, at, at times you're going to want to. You need to limit their their possessions. You need to limit uh, the how many times that Jaden Daniels has the ball in his hands. Um, I, I do like the idea of having a spy uh, on him, but he's so athletic that it it may you know he's he's still able to get out and get you know make plays with his feet even if there is a spy there. Um, and so I, I think you know when you're looking at this Auburn team going into this week um, and. Hugh Freeze talked about it. You've got injuries at all three levels of the defense, and that that's going to play a big role here. And it it's really going to come down to, I think, how effective Auburn 
can pass the ball when it's on offense. Uh, and I know that hasn't been a strong suit this year. We've talked about it all year long with Peyton Thorne. Uh, he, he got a little bit better in the last game against Georgia. And you've had two weeks to work it here in, in practices and everything. But this LSU pass defense isn't good. And if you can find somehow uh, find a way to get make get some receivers that have not made a lot of plays this year uh, to make a few, and I, we're not ask I'm not asking them to be become you know whole new wide receivers in in two weeks. I, I, that's unrealistic. But if they can uh, get out there and make just a few plays, you know we we talk the the stat I kept bringing up from this past week uh, with that Georgia was uh, ten of nineteen. Six of those incompletions, though, uh, were not Peyton's fault necessarily. They they either were able to or had a chance to be caught, or they hit the the receiver's hands. And they had a chance to be caught. Take a few of those out. That's what we're, that's what we're looking for this week. Is is take a few of those six incompletions out of there and make some of those catches, make some of those plays. If you're the wide receivers and uh, you you set yourself up in a really good spot uh, on offense. If you can make a few more plays in the passing game this week against a, a weaker LSU defense and then uh, keep the keep Jaden Daniels off the field as much as possible. Yeah, and again, Cam went through a few of these, but statistically uh, LSU has overwhelming presence really at all the skill positions. We know about Malik Neighbors. People kind of forget a little bit about Brian Thomas, who really good. is through six games – has 600 receiving yards and has nine receiving touchdowns. So he is averaging 100 yards receiving per game and over a touchdown per game, and he is the number two receiver. Even their number three receiver, who I hesitated to mention initially and then I thought more about it, Kyron Lacey, wears jersey number two, his production at number three, which is hundreds, plural, hundreds of yards behind their top two guys, is still similar production to Jay Fair. Jay Fair has 190 receiving yards or so in the year. Lacey has a buck 69 and two touchdowns and the number three receiver. And they have Mason Taylor, who's a competent tight end. Like it's all over the place for them. And then their running back, Logan Diggs, who's stepped up. This year into that number one role, averaging six yards a carry, four touchdowns, nearly 500 yards rushing through the first six games. They've actually displaced the depth charts, kind of flipped towards these newer guys, whereas Noah Kane and John Emery, guys that have been around college with a little bit longer, have kind of taken a back seat. Their top three rushers by yardage, leaving out Jane Daniels, who would still qualify here, their top three running backs all average at least 5.2 yards a carry so this offense is not really limited in anything it does it is good at pretty much everything it does and it's why their offense is as good as their defense is bad uh i mean they they are awful defensively we'll talk more about auburn's offensive attack a little bit later but lsu's offensive attack is awesome and that's why uh not only he freeze i remember robert riffin the third who was doing the last lsu game was pining for Jane Daniels to be in the Heisman conversation. Again, when you are averaging basically 400 yards of offense a game, I think it's second or third in the country. I think Penix might be leading it. I don't know. It's all – it's yeah, I all, think, it, I think yeah. you're right. I think it is Penix. They're all within uh, arm's reach of each other up there at the, tr- at the front. But, but the moral of the story is Daniels is throwing for over 300 yards a game, and he's rushing for about 80 yards a game uh, or 75 yards a game. And so he has been able to – do it in a multitude of ways. And so even though this Auburn defense has played pretty well and has, I think, been a positive surprise overall, 
it is going to be tested like it's uh, these next two weeks, to be fair. I mean, these are the two best offenses in the league that it will face in back-to-back weeks in LSU and Ole Miss. And that's kind of put on display by the, the game they played in Oxford two weeks ago. But this is a challenge that is just more uh, more thorough than even, say, Georgia, who has a couple of great players. They obviously flexed against Kentucky last week when people started to doubt them a little bit. That's that's great. That's one thing. And then Alabama has a couple of playmakers, sure. And A&M has a couple of playmakers, sure. But they are all over the place for LSU and for Ole Miss, schematically for Ole Miss, and then just talent-wise for LSU. And so obviously a big challenge for an Auburn defense that's already lost three players for the season, or at least for the foreseeable future. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, talk some more college football, talk some more Auburn LSU. We'll look at Auburn's offense versus LSU's defense. We'll also a little bit later talk some Braves and talk about some of the big matchups around college football this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger The Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program, talking all things Auburn and LSU. So we previewed the very difficult to deal with LSU offense. And again, the thought process there, let's offer, let me give you various solutions. You tell me if uh, pun on that, you tell me if it could work, that sort of thing. All right, spying the quarterback. Spying the quarterback, and let me also let's let's talk about this too. Spying the quarterback for the totality of a drive versus spying the quarterback within the last twenty-five yards, basically the red zone. Man, um, and with whom? Eugene Asante. Okay, I considered Dom and Kaufman too. Another good one. I just worry Asante's pretty athletic, but it's very hard to find people that can run sideline to sideline with Daniels. Yeah. I trust Asante to be smart to figure out the angles a little better than most people, but I still think in a foot race, Daniels wins, so Asante's got to have the angle. He's got to have it covered. He's got to not be surprised or a step behind. Kaufman, to be fair, is not a fleet of foot safety either. He is also, though, playing around the line of scrimmage a lot. Like, ideally, because, look, you're trying not to use, and you really can't afford to use a true corner. Okay, they've got to cover the amazing wide receivers LSU has. And otherwise, I mean, but but speed-wise, that would be the guys that you could keep up with Daniels. So you're trying to find somebody that you don't 
need don't slash want to commit to pass coverage that can still athletically be enough to wrangle Daniels in. And outside of those two, you know, I, I, I'm not sure you can, because I know someone asked earlier this week about uh, a D tackle like Marcus Harris or something. It's like, yeah, they like, you just can't keep up with Daniels if you're if you're a D tackle like that. You just can't. Um, you can stunt and you can do clever things with the line to try to generate a better pass rush and yeah. to try to maintain your lanes. But as a true spy, you're just not doing that with a defensive lineman. You're doing that with a linebacker or safety, I think. Um. So does that intrigue you? Or you di- is there okay? Let me ask that you. Is, that does intrigue. Okay. Me intriguing yeah that 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 i mean you got to try something okay and i think that's probably your first thing to try right try to spy try to try to see if if you can you know keep them keep them contained and and just expect your dbs and safeties to get their jobs done and and win their matchups you like more zone you like more man I'm really stressing is, Brooks out. Man is yeah. so hard. Man is so hard. Um, or we could curl up and just call it an L and move on to the next week. I don't. Yeah, know. That, I mean, after last night, that's how I kind of feel about the rest of the sports yeah. weekend. Uh, but no, I, I think that. Um, uh, do you want me to get? Do you want me to? You, next my question. You see, the, the thing is, the thing that I'm I'm thinking about here is I I like the zone when it's, you know, to kind of keep uh, Daniels guessing a little bit. But the thing is, is when you go into zone against a receiver, receiving core like this, especially with a guy like Malik Neighbors, he can bust it open. He can get out there and he can can make some plays uh, in some of the holes in the zone. But if you go man, again, it doesn't keep Jaden Daniels guessing as much. But I just don't know if there's a guy that I trust one-on-one to win more, more often than not against a guy like Malik Neighbors. The Malik Neighbors, is, it, it, when it comes to the, yeah, the he's so secondary, yeah, he's, it, he's, that's, that's the big question. It's Because if, if we're just talking about Daniels, I'd rather go zone to keep him guessing of where the, where the defender, defenders are going to be. But it's, it's the other fact that you've got the dynamic wide receivers that can make plays no matter what that I'm, I'm more thinking about. I was trying to trying to think about and break down what how would I rather them cut me up is is what I'm what I'm trying to say where where do I want them to make the incision is is more my my thoughts there look I have my preferences in general on how to play defense I if you can I still think man is better the defense that I really love which is more of an NFL defense but but I think if you can, if you have the personnel to do it, it's very hard to beat it as two man, because you basically have a situation where you rush four, but you have man and a sense of zone, and it's really confusing. But that really is predicated off of your four are very good up front, and they will generate pressure without any help, and that's just simply not Not going to be the case for Auburn, and not the case for most defenses. Again, it's not. It's there's no perfect way to do it. The, let's let's look at what you have to do against LSU. You have to keep Daniels contained. Okay, so containment usually involves zone and or 
quarterback spies and that sort of thing. I would worry, and I think Auburn would worry too, that playing man would not only open up the possibility of a bigger play on a pass, but it would also open up the possibility of a bigger play on a quarterback scramble. Because as we know, you turn your head for neighbors going down the field, Thomas going down the field, Lacey going down the field, etc., and then there's all this green grass for if the pass rush does not maintain discipline for then Daniels to take advantage of before the DBs even realize that he's taking off. Sometimes when you play man coverage, you'll see 30-yard scrambles, and Daniels would certainly be athletic enough to do that. So I think they're kind of boxed into having to do a zone, even though that I don't love zones all the time because the problem with zone is, and Auburn could have this problem, is that and and to be fair, I'm I it makes I make this sound like Auburn's some sib defense. They're not. They've obviously played well to this point this year. I'm just preparing for the, the this is the challenge unlike anything Auburn's faced this year. Yeah, really truly. And Auburn can do some really nice things and they have some players that are playing well. I'm not saying any of those things, but LSU you have to be perfect. Perfect. Um because even against Florida State, even their smallest output of the year, that we all see it, saw them move the ball far, far better to score just 24. Absolutely. So I, I think that you're going to have to play zone and make them get impatient. Like your, your best quality there is seeing if a team that has been fairly undisciplined as a whole, although their offense has not made many mistakes, see if they will just be kind of tired of taking six and seven yards. And, and be tired of accepting what the defense has given to them. Because LSU still feels like there's a part of them that could get impatient and get frustrated, even as good as they are offensively. And the problem with zone gets to be that if teams are patient and you can't pass rush well, then they'll pick you apart. Right. But if teams get impatient and or read it wrong, then that's where it gets way more effective and you've almost got a bet on and i know it's a tough bet but you almost got a bet on lsu doing dumb things themselves and and that's to a degree and i don't want to subject everybody to it but that's also just my view on great offense is that great offense yeah. is truly going to win out at the end of the day they got to beat themselves for you to beat right them. and so as much as i want to say that hey auburn can do this this and that and stop them, no, it's more of this, this, and that can then give you the ability to be a mess up away from stopping them or a poor decision on their part away uh, from stopping them. So that's why I look at it more of you've got to try to give LSU the tools to stop themselves rather than something you will be able to go out and take control of the situation because that's the other thing the one other tool you would have if, if you were looking for a team to truly try to stop great offense i've still always believe it it has to do with up front and auburn has done a good job against the run this year which again i did not think i would be saying but that's where asante <laughs> and kaufman and harris and all those guys up the middle have contributed stop to stop in the run game but those guys are not predisposed to having great pass rush outputs. Sure, in a blitz the safety mode, Kaufman go get 
a, a one every now and again. And Asante as a linebacker had a huge one in the Cal game, we all recall. Right. right. Uh, but D tackles and stuff, and these guys, these are not your traditional pass rush sack guys. They're usually your ends. And to be honest with you so far, Jalen McLeod's been disappointing. Like, it just yeah. has. He's Agreed. been a little injured. But they were t- – I mean, again, you read Hugh Freeze comments. You heard Hugh Freeze comments. You heard Ron Roberts comments saying that this is the guy they need, and he does not have a sack this year. And then you look at a guy on the edge, I guess like Elijah McAllister, he has been decently productive, but you know he still has his limitations. Uh, and then they've also tried to have they, they want they really like Steven Sings in the fall and he does not have a sack. They're, they're just not producing from those edges. The guys that are a- actually getting the sacks are guys you would not anticipate getting getting sacks. So for the most part it is the Asantes yeah. and uh, I think a couple sacks for Cam Riley this year. And it's like that's nice, but that's not the kind of constant. Oh, yeah. That's more. I, I hate to call it a fluke, but they're. I mean, it's just getting them off blitzes. Right. That's yeah. the more abnormal stuff. So I've talked this out before we go to break. Anything else Auburn can pick up on defensively? Any any key player for you that would be very especially important with all these really good receivers running around or Jaden Daniels running around? Any, anything else Auburn can try to use defensively? My assumption would be. That that DJ James is going to be on neighbors. Malik neighbors. That's a tough matchup, but that's one that you probably think he can handle. You're probably going to have to have a safety over the top anyway to help him out. But I do think that I guess it would be Pritchett on the other side up against uh, what who who their number two receiver is. I Brian uh, Thomas. Brian Thomas up against Thomas. I think Pritchett can win that matchup. I do. Um, so then that that helps a little bit. Um, and then, you know, whoever's on the third receiver, maybe he just gets a little bit more work. But if you're not getting beat by um, by Thomas or by neighbors, I think that's a win. And then kind of find a way to take them away is in any way possible. I know it's going to be hard and extremely difficult because they're two extremely talented receivers. Um, but I think that's where it starts. I think it starts with – DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett, and then safety over the top. So maybe Simpson, maybe you know Kaufman. However that works out, um, and and kind of go from there. And then maybe you work kind of kind of outside in, if if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and and kind of that that's how you maybe can figure out how to win your matchups because they don't utilize, you know, I mean, they use their tight ends, but they don't utilize them like a whole bunch. So you could probably be able to keep it. It's certainly the lesser of all the evils. Right. And so if you're, if you're getting him to consistently throw to the tight end, then that's going to be shorter things, shorter routes. And like you said, that'll be six and seven yards and they'll probably get tired of that. Maybe Jaden Daniels will force a shot. Then maybe you can get an interception, make him make a mistake. I know he hasn't, I think he's, he's got, got two picks. Yeah, he's got two two and interceptions. That's a very good so, number. Yeah. Very very good. So he doesn't make a lot of mistakes because he is a really good quarterback. But that's kind of probably where you're going to have to live and figure it out from there. Yeah, the transfer quarterbacks, man. I, I will say that 
Um, I knew he was going to be good when he went there, man. He I knew he'd be solid. Monster. I didn't know he'd be top three to five was, quarterback country. Dude, I, yeah. when I watched him at Arizona State, I was like, dude, this dude's good. And he, he was the only, like, I mean, he was the only thing on the short. team. Yeah. I was like, they're selling. They left and went to LSU. I was like, that's a good landing spot. Yeah. And, and it uh, has been. It is is turned out to be that way, and, and LSU certainly benefiting from it. Although, again, a couple losses, and that's because of the defense, and that's what we will get to on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon. A few minutes left here in the first hour of the program, so let's wrap up the first hour talking on the other side of the ball about Auburn LSU and talking about this Auburn offense as it tries to flip the script from the first half of the season this is a team, maybe not a location, but this is certainly a team to do it against in LSU who is ranking poorly down the 100s in just about all the major statistics, both pass, uh, pass defense, uh, when you're talking about rush defense. Really all of it has been going awry for LSU, and it's hard to figure because some of the traditional uh, cause and effects don't exist. It's not like LSU's offense struggles and then the defense is forced to go back out there time and time again LSU's just not been playing with an edge defensively so what is the confidence level for you guys that Auburn and I know it's a tricky question and maybe I'm not necessarily asking for a percentage but I mean what what, what do you expect from Auburn's offense what, what kind of what kind of confidence do you have that they've started to turn a corner post Georgia post bye week I think the fact that, you know, we, again, I brought the setup. The fact that Peyton Thorne looked a little bit better in that Georgia game and he had a, he, you know, he could have, he could have had up a, a 16 for 19 day. Again, we bring, I bring up that study and he could have had a 16 for 19 day passing it, had all those incompletions been, uh, that was yeah, the, the drops, the, the drops yeah. and the, the chances had been caught. And so, 
I, I think that it's you know you I don't know if you're necessarily turning a corner with this offense, um, I, but I think that you're making progress here. I think you're you're getting uh, you're getting closer to what you can be this year. I, I still don't have full confidence that this you know in the offense for the rest of the season because you're still playing with uh, a group of wide receivers that. Uh, even going into that Georgia game, Hugh Freeze was still like, we still don't fully know what we have in that room, and I, I think that's a problem. Um, but, you know, you, you look at this defense, I think there's options. And, again, like I said a little bit earlier, just talking about uh, just talking about it, I, I think that you've got a chance if you can just get a few of the uh, – take get uh, Wrangle and a few of those incompletions. Um, I think you've got a chance to move the ball a little bit on LSU. Um, because they're going to be, you know, they know their pass defense defense isn't great, and they know your your pass offense isn't great. So they're going to be attacking that run game because that, they know that's your your strength. They're going to be crashing down. They're going to be trying to to limit the runs from the the running back position as well as uh, whoever the quarterback is. Because uh, Peyton Thorn is. Uh, started to run a little bit more than we thought he was going to in, uh, at the beginning of the year. Robbie Ashford, again, when he comes in, they're going to be looking for that run. Um, and so if if you get into this game and you can reel in a couple of those incompletions uh, that you saw in that Georgia game, I, I think that you can move the ball a little bit on this team. Again, I I'd still think the key for the offense, though, is keeping the ball for an extended drive. I think that keeping it out of Jaden Daniels' hands is ultimately the, the, the best – Defense is a good offense in this situation, and if you can keep the ball, extend the drives, uh, come away with some points. Not you know you, you don't have to score a touchdown every single time. Again, you you're not going to be able to outscore LSU. You've got to limit their possessions. Uh, you can't get into a scoring match with them. So if you can go down there, get some points with uh, most of your drives, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, uh, I think that you could set yourself up in a really good spot. Yeah, I agree. That that's a really good uh, point, Brooks. The time of possession battle, Auburn has to win, and you still might not win because the the explosive. I mean, an explosive play is not going to help you. Not like Auburn has a lot of explosive plays, or has had a lot of explosive plays, especially against Power Five competition. But um, yeah, they 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 got to be able to to just make extended drives they just got to be able to to hold on to the ball as long as possible um and even like i said even if you put up an explosive play lsu is just going to probably do it right back you know just to get just to i mean that's just how their offense is they're just able to do that um i expect to see you know a, a decent amount of RPOs a decent amount of play action, um, you know, maybe just get get the defense to step up just a little bit, then maybe use that to your advantage. Uh, because, like Brooks said, they probably will be keyed into the run game more than the pass game because their pass game isn't as good, or their pass defense isn't as good, and your pass offense isn't as good either. So that that's um, that's probably where I think that you'd be the most successful if you're Auburn, um, and and just kind of go from there. Um, but I, I, I'm just I. The thing that I'm nervous about, I think, is that I, I am nervous that even if the defense doesn't, like, even if LSU's defense doesn't beat Auburn's offense, that Auburn's offense is going to beat themselves because they're going to try and be a little bit too complicated and overdo things and, you know, just the things that are easy sometimes when like, like my example for the like in against the in the Georgia game, you know, you're fourth and one and you have Peyton Thorne um in the shotgun and I feel like 
things like that where he – I know the snap was high and Hugh Freeze did say that and that threw off the timing of the play and everything, but you wouldn't have to deal with that if you just put in pay, put Peyton Thorne under center and just do a, 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 a QB sneak and, and try and get it that way. I would not have been upset at all if they had not gotten it whatsoever if they did a QB sneak because I felt like that would have been the best thing the best opportunity for you to get the first down at that point in time. So things like that, just any opportunity to not make a, an overthought, a over type of overthought of mistake um, is where Auburn needs to really not do it. They need to just be methodical and smart and not overthink uh, their, their plays and their decisions on offense. Well, and that's why sometimes I ask about potential overthinking habits, such as, you know, to kickstart the passing game, do you go against the grain and throw a decent amount on first down and do play action and that sort of thing or just pound the run? And, again, I think that when you have Peyton Thorne in there, I still think there's a little bit mix of a pass because if not, why would he be in there? Right. And that's that's what I'm looking at in this game, and we are out of time for this hour now, but I just think that with – Thorn in there, I would still be ultimately surprised whether they should or shouldn't if in 65, 60 plays they had 50 runs and 10 passes or something like that. I still think that they will attempt to do do a little bit of passing and get the, the pass game going a little bit. And if not now, then when? And that leads us into the end of hour number one. And in hour number two, we'll talk a little bit about what kind of production is needed to kind of justify Peyton Thorne continuing on throughout the rest of the year. And then again, more offensive opportunities for Auburn against LSU. Also coming up in hour number two and in hour number three, talk a little bit about the end of the Braves season and some of the other big college football matchups this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Reminder, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We continue on with the show. We'll mix it up a little bit and go from a 
uh, breakdown of what is going to be a very difficult test to a test that has already been failed by a team that we truly love as the Atlanta Braves lost last night to the Philadelphia Phillies. Either way, you slice it 3-1. to 3-1 to one on the scoreboard or 3-1 to one games for the Phillies to advance to the NLCS for the second consecutive year. Second consecutive year, the Braves lose to the Phillies three games to one. Somehow, as poorly as the Braves played, they actually played better than two other of their 100-win cohorts this season or this postseason as the Dodgers and the Orioles were both swept. I went back through and, again, want to uh, go back over one thing because I did state an error earlier in the week when I was doing the research that I had thought that it was the third season of this format, and I was looking at it again, and I had seen that I had ignored what had happened in the previous round, and I just saw, oh, yeah, there's a someone advancing to play the one seed, and that means it's the same bracket and that sort of thing. But uh, it is just the second year of this format, so um, discount the fact that in 2021, three of the four lower seeds, including the Braves, did win because it was only the one seed uh, race that lost to Boston. So, I mean, that is still a – a team with a buy, just a shorter buy that still ultimately lost. Uh, but really, in the last two years, the official record is three and five for the teams uh, that were the higher seed that that had the buys overall. And then, if you take away the Astros, one and five for the rest of the league, as they've won both their matchups after the buy. Uh, but again, a, a a better end for the Braves, a team that was about as good as any in franchise history, the most prolific lineup in Braves history, breaking all kinds of records, individual and team for the Braves franchise, and yet eight runs in four games for the Braves, and their season is now over. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough, really, really rough. Um, you know, it, I mean, just Philly just – I played well, played better. I mean, just took more opportunities. I wonder what the stat is with how many players, how many runners left on base the Braves had in this series because I feel like that was a pretty decent amount of situations where, you know, you thought that the Braves would normally probably capitalize. They did not in this series. I think I attribute part of that to being on the bye and being cold, but I also think that, you know, that's that you, I mean, you can't use that excuse all the time. Um, and I just, I just think that they were thrown off and something about Philadelphia seems to just in the playoffs, it seems to have haunted them. And then you see it on TV as well. So that's funny, but, um, yeah, and, 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 you know, it seemed like Bryce Harper in game two or in game three really got um got fired up about the stuff with Arcia and, you know, he hits two homers and Nick Castellanos hits two homers and then Nick Castellanos hits two homers again last night. Um, so he's just – I think he – I mean, you know, the balls were not great pitches from, from Strider, but, again, in those situations – the Braves' offense, I mean, you take three-run ball from, from Strider. You take two-run ball from Strider. That's that's perfectly fine because you feel like you've built an offense that's great enough and you, you've 
built one of the better offenses, you know, in the sport of baseball that you would think that you'd be able to overcome that. But um, this this lineup just struggled immensely throughout. Uh, you know, Austin Riley had a pretty decent series, I'd say. Um, but other than that, you know, everybody really had a hard time. I Ozzy had a pretty good, uh, I think it was game one. Um, and, and then again, other than that, nobody really did anything extremely significant. Even Ronnie struggled. And, uh, I think I saw, I think he got maybe one, two hits, uh, and, and, um, you know, usually he tends to kind of figure it out pretty easily. And I know in the seventh, he had that fly out and I thought that was a pretty well hit ball. Also, um, just watching the highlights and the bases were loaded. And so some people are like, well, you don't swing for the fences, swing for the base hit. And. He's always Mental swinging for the contact. yeah yeah I mean he, it's uh, I mean the the I mean it was a lot of contact I mean it, that's just that's how Ronnie hits anyway so it just kind of is what it is and um, yeah d- just a, you know disappointing end to the season still can't take away that this was one of the greatest offenses uh, of of you know of all time especially in terms of of just base statistics um, you know they have the greatest uh, the highest slugging percentage of all time in like 501 I think and then um, they also you know are tied with the home run record uh, in the team home run record and then you know you have things like Ronnie who 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 you know he broke uh, you know first player ever to have 40, 40 home runs, 70 steals, and Matt Olson breaking the franchise record, things like that. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, it is disappointing that you can't finish it off with a World Series because that's like the crown and the cherry on top um, because that's, I mean, that's what everybody plays for. Um, you know, the, the personal accolades are something that come, you know, along with just playing the game and playing the game so well. But um, you, you your ultimate goal is to win a World Series and, and the Braves – being as good as they were this series, this season, were not able to do that. There's a quote on the TV right now from Brian Snicker yesterday saying they have nothing to hold to hang their heads about. I, I think that's right because they they created such a a uh, historic uh, regular season and they they accomplished so much. The problem is is with this Braves team is nobody's going to remember that at the end of the day. Like Braves fans will remember the season. They'll remember the records, they'll remember everything. But, you know, when I coming into this year and well, really coming at midway through the year when it when the Braves were challenging for that um that home, the team home run lead, and you said, "Hey, they could break that." Who, who won it? And everyone's like, "Oh, it was the Twins just a couple years ago." Like, really? Was it? Re-? And no, you, you know, people don't remember. It. They they didn't win a World Series. That's why you didn't remember it. That's why you offhand you didn't remember it. If you went back and you're like, "Oh yeah," you know, when you when you go back and look at the stats, you're like, "Oh yeah, they did hit a lot of home runs that year." I do remember them, you know, uh, sending a few into the seats. But you offhand you don't remember that those teams because they didn't win a World Series. I think that's the that's the problem here is the Braves were so good and there's you know overall when you in the grand scheme of things there is nothing to hang their heads about because it was such a good season it was such a you know a lot of accomplishments you won the east uh you got you were you were the best team in baseball but at the end of the day the hotter team won uh you look back at uh, I pulled this up last the last week of the regular season here are the Braves run totals uh for the the last uh, uh seven games from the last game of the National Series, the second to last one, to the uh, the last game of the second National Series. Eight, seven, six, five, six, five, nine. 
all of those run totals win three games in this yep. series. All of those run totals win three games. The only one that doesn't win is that game three because the, the Nationals went off and the, the dam just broke in that game. You got ten runs there. But other than that, those are, that one run total wins game one. Obviously, it wins game two that the Braves did win, and it wins game three. That's where the thing is. I the pitching, you know, a lot of people, you know, want to bring up the pitching for the Braves, and it, oh, it just wasn't there. No, Ma- you can't. Max Freed had a three. good had a good outing in his game too. Spencer Strider, two good outings. You know, uh, three runs, both of them, uh, in in both of those in game one and game three or game four. The only blow up was that Bryce Elder game, and I'll give you this. If Kyle Wright is healthy, if Charlie Morton is healthy, I don't know if Bryce Hart or Bryce Elder starts that that game three. He was dang good in the regular season, but you may you know you you probably go with the more veteran uh, you know presence like a Charlie Morton or yeah, somebody. Absolutely would go Morton. Yeah. And so you know that's the only where place you could put on on pitching. The rest of it, it's just the the bats didn't show up, and I don't know what changes. I don't know what you can change. With this lineup, now they they tried to change something with the lineup in game one. That didn't work at all. They didn't get a run in that one. That was the the only game they didn't score a run. And then you went you went back to the lineup that worked, and you you know five two one was the the run totals for those other three games. So I don't know what you change. I don't know if there's anything you can change. I think the best thing, and it's you know it, it's counterproductive from what you want to do. And I, I mentioned it in the office in kind of a joking sense, but is you win the East, but you make sure you win the East as the three seed overall, and you play that week one if, if you know, you're, you don't like the, the layoff, which it seems like the last two years that's, could, that's very much could be the problem. It's, Ryan, you've brought it up all week. Uh, I just don't know what else you can do. If I mean, you're the there's no way they're not going to change it, though, right? Because they're not rewarding. No, they're not going to change it, not the, for a while. <sighs> uh, Rob Manfred said yesterday, oh, yeah. it's only year two. Yeah, no, I promise they're not changing that. And when they do, they'll just add another team or two. They're they're they're. You can't go. Yeah. You added. You yeah, can't they're go not going to go now. back. They're not going to do it, and it's another money situation. And so you don't think one seven seven's fine? One seven seven World Series, like what? Like one wild card? Uh huh. Seven. NLDS seven NLCS. That's, that's just not how baseball is played, though. That that's why they went to the three, is they wanted the series. Yeah, they don't. Right. They don't like the one wild card game, which I, I didn't like it either. I they they actually were very close, if not already on the perfect format before they even got an extra team involved. And I said it earlier this week. And, again, since we've gone down this road, I, I was going to give you a, a, another Brave stat and get to that moment. Since we've gone here, this is not just about the Braves. Because may I spend a moment, too, on the Dodgers, yeah. who are better than the Arizona Diamondbacks, to be clear. They have two of the four MVP candidates in the league. Any other year, Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman is a perfectly capable and deserving MVP. And they combine for one hit. And you're going to, at the end of the day, have a situation where I know those players, and I know Freddie had some postseason struggles but uh, in his time with Atlanta at times, but to combine for one hit in two seasons, or excuse me, uh, combine for one hit, there were two spots in the lineup that are MVP caliber players. And then also have uh, a 100-win Orioles team and that sort of thing. 
it shows me that it is more than just a fluky thing. And baseball players will talk about it, and we've certainly talked about it, that it is not a physical – you get buys in football and that sort of thing because there is an incredibly physical nature of the sport that it is a re- it is a benefit to earn a buy and you get the physical rest from it. When you have this sport that is so timing based, there in something that is inherently not overly physical. Like I remember growing up and people being like, "Oh, you know, baseball is not as." you know not as manly or not as whatever because they're just standing out there look at these big guys that play dh or play first base and oh you know you 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 run 90 feet and that sort of thing you remember all the the childish school arguments of why baseball wasn't as cool as is whatever insert sport here the reality is there's not as much of a physical nature to it and time off helps you physically it, it does not help, or, or, or in other sports, it should help you physically. And when you don't need that physical break in baseball, then it's not giving you any benefit. It is not to your advantage to sit and have time off. And so that is the problem with the format. And again, you will get to places where you will get too much of this or too much of that. But once you open that box, you're not going to go back to it because that's the way the sports function with, with money. And I'm and I'm, I'm in general too pro bigger sports or, or bigger playoffs. Excuse me, when there is not a competitive disadvantage to being better, or when there is not some sort of penalty there, or when when it's logical that some teams still reserve the right to participate. But we already have the longest season for a reason. And you then have a system where all of a sudden you have series that are really no longer than your regular season series. And that that is something that when you have such a random outcome-based sport, it is tough to justify, in my opinion. But, look, I will give the majority of the Braves credit because they're not making excuses and – um, bottom line, I, I still blame the Braves in in total for, for not winning, if you want to go there and blame these teams for not figuring it out over the course of a series. But it does feel like there is at least the possibility, if not the probability, that there is a competitive disadvantage to be better. And there should never be a competitive disadvantage to be better. And so that's why the, the, these things will not go away if these teams don't start winning, if this continues. And, again, I, since this is the second year, not the third, I, I, again, earlier this week I thought it was the third, it is the second, there is still a possibility this becomes an outlier. There is a possibility that this does not be, is not the norm, and that's why they're not going to change it for now, but I don't think that they'll ever go back. I, again, the, the, the format I would have favored is the format they, they always had, where they had yeah, three division winners and one wild card. But again, for money and for competition and for including more fan bases later in the process, they won't do it that way. And again, if you would have proved that there was not a competitive disadvantage, then I don't hate that. But it's the it's not the, it's not the number of teams I get more hung up on. It is the 
the fact that you potentially endanger the credibility of a team for sitting five, six, seven days off. That's that's more the issue there. We have time for one phone call before we take our first break of hour number two. We go to the orthopedic clinic phone line. And first up here in hour number two, Luke from Alex City. Luke is with us. Luke, how are you this afternoon? Good, guys. How are y'all? Doing well. You know, this whole thing of what you're talking about is exactly why I've been against, and I understand your point, but it's exactly why I've been against expansion in college football. That what what we as fans have been, and I, I'm not a baseball fan in the least. I'm Frankly, I'm happy the Braves are out because I always feel like the Braves, you know, on a variety of shows, especially in Alabama, take up airspace that could be used for college football. But... Um, it, you know, when you think about expanding these playoffs, and that's what baseball has done, um, the Braves proved to us time and time and time and time again this year they're better than the Phillies. Now, in this series, obviously the Phillies came out on top, but my argument is, I mean, why do they even get that opportunity when we saw timing again? that the Braves are better. We saw time and again the Dodgers are better than the Diamondbacks. We saw uh, time and again the, the the Orioles were the better team. I mean, you just go down the list, and now we're left with a playoff that we know doesn't have the best teams in it. We know it doesn't. Now, they might be the hottest, and there's some people that like that. I mean, there's some people that like, you know, I hear people all the time. I, I heard, I think, Danny Cannell say it the other day that he's so glad the playoffs expanded to because teams grow and get better and down the stretch they get hot. And I said, yeah, okay, so what you're saying is the first part of the season doesn't matter that much. It's just not a big deal. And I think that's the wrong message to have out there. You see it in the uh, NBA playoffs all the time. Some eight seed or a seven seed will get really hot because, you know what, towards the end of the season they've been trying their best to get in the playoffs, and so their chemistry has been developed. And they've gotten hot. And even if they have a losing record, uh, they, they've gotten better over the last couple of weeks because they've been trying to just get in the playoffs, whereas the one or two seed may have it locked up. And they've been resting players. Uh, they've been sort of just uh, milling about, and their chemistry is gone. And um, I just hate that baseball has so many games, 162 games. That's a lot of games. And then uh, it, it's basically all thrown out the window but when, in a situation like this, and, I, and I, I worry about that for college football, and frankly, I'm, I'm of the mind that I would rather have a deserving team or somebody con, who considers a team deserving be left out and have some debate about it than allow two or three teams that we all know aren't the best teams and they've proven it into a playoff system. I, I certainly understand what you're saying, and I, I – here, here's why I still think that because and I know they're making the points about all the different sports and I, I do think there are some clear overlaps but I also think what makes baseball different and why of all the sports I choose this one to be more of a smaller format or uh, more a- against what's actually been happening in the playoffs is simply because it is the one sport where we can have a balanced schedule we do things time after time and that there is not a lot of room for ambiguity on what a team is or is not. And what's odd about it, too, is we do 
this w- with with baseball where it is the the longest sport in terms of games and yet there are postseason formats that are longer and that that yeah. is that is kind of odd to me that we determine that we do need so much of something and then belittle uh, sequences in the two out of three and three out of five in in the playoffs which inherently re- kind of insinuates you want the chaos I don't mind some upsets and 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 I don't mind if the best team doesn't necessarily always win however I do think that again what we're doing here is making it a disadvantage to be better and again I can live with some some different outcomes based off of regular season versus postseason but if that's been egged on because of some type of format flaw or that sort of thing, that that's why I am here on the pedestal ag- against the format right now. Um, if if we go through another three or four years of this format and it changes to where the favorite teams start to win because they figured it out or this was just a fluke couple of years, well, then that would be different too. But I just feel like I've not been able to hear the argument as to why this is not a disadvantage to sit and lose the hitting timing for six to seven days. No, and I think it's a great point about the physical nature. I mean, look, baseball – certainly can take a toll, but at the same time, there there are a lot of baseball folks that go into their 40s playing, and with the glaring exception of Tom Brady, there are not many that do that on the NFL side. I mean, it, obviously, the NFL is much more physically grueling, and you can only play one football game a week. In baseball, you could you know you can play four games in four days, no problem. Play sure. two games in one day, no problem. And uh, so I you know, I don't know what the what the answer is necessarily, because what we've done is sort of watered the whole thing down. We probably have too many baseball teams. We probably have too many uh, NBA teams and NFL teams, and it'd be a little bit. You know, the quality of the sport would be better. But again, just like with uh, NIL and transfer portal and everything else, it all it, it's all coming down to money now. And um, what it does is it seems to take a little bit of the essence out of the sport. I used to really not like baseball in the sense of uh, only the winners of the divisions got in. Um, I, I didn't like that because I, I knew several times there were, you know, the, the Red Sox may win the division and the Yankees were just as good, but they can't get in because of whatever. Uh, they, they were just a, a game behind. But, you know, now when I look back on it, I think at least that did give you the best teams every year. I mean, you knew you were getting, and because the schedule is so long and they do play about everybody, all you know, more than once, um, you knew you were probably getting the best team. And uh, so there is something to be said for that, I guess. But um, it's just, there, there's no, I guess the other thing this tells me is there is no perfect way to do a playoff system. Um, that you can do what you want to, but if you're going to have a playoff system, eventually you've got to say either it's going to be a one-and-done or there's going to be a series of some description. And doing a seven-game series I don't think really would have helped the Braves or the Dodgers this time, or, or the Orioles for that fact. I mean, those other two got swept, and the Braves looked like they were, they, they were spent. Um, they just didn't have it. I mean, how many times this season has Acuna come up in a situation like last night, I mean, I was watching the game. I'm not even a baseball fan. And I was watching it, and I was thinking, this is this is his moment. And uh, he hit it well. He just didn't hit it well enough. But in the regular season, that's out of here. Yeah. I mean, he's going to knock that 
out of here. So um, I, I, I just say, you know, everybody cheering on the, ex- the expansion of football playoffs, there, there's some pitfalls to this too, and, and I think we're seeing them in baseball right now. Yeah, certainly, certainly see them in baseball, and I know that we've always had the the conversations about the football playoff side of things, and I, I know that we've had different stances there. But I do, I again, I will also say that if if we get to this and we play it out a couple years and it does not go well, I know that Pandora's box cannot be closed. But I will absolutely come on this show and said I was wrong about it, and and uh, it, it shouldn't have gone to that point. But I, I just think that the biggest thing here is. You know, we can argue about, um, you know, what should qualify a team to still have the right to win a championship at the end of the year, and that looks different in all sports. But, again, the the key phrase, the the key word here that I've I've just come back to is that it is at least possible at this point that this format has created a, a competitive disadvantage to those that are are, are, are the better teams. And, and, and that's why I've, I'm, I've been harping on it so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Absolutely, Luke. Appreciate the phone call. That is Luke from Alex City joining us here on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Luke for calling in. Let's go to our first timeout of our number two. When we come back, we'll go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. And as we continue on about halfway through the program, we'll return to some Auburn LSU here in just a little bit. And again, there are some top 25 matchups that are very important this weekend, pertaining mainly to Pac-12 schools, but we've got one or two extra outside of that so we'll definitely get to that in the remainder of the show but for now let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine next up on the program ward damn steve retire ward damn steve is with us steve how are you this afternoon hey guys good afternoon and thanks again for uh my call uh i'm uh less i guess uh despondent as i was last night after that choke job done by uh um, my Braves uh, team here, um, but but you know the good thing about it is I only have to be anxious, my anxiety ridden about uh, my Auburn Tigers now instead of having to you know sweat it out with uh, the Atlanta Braves as well. So that's a good part. Um, so I heard your comments, guys. They uh, a lot of merit to them. I heard Luke's. Some of them I disagreed with, 
uh, especially I'll get to a little bit about uh, the 12-team playoff, which I, for some reason, can't understand yet uh, why he's so opposed to it. Uh, but about the Braves, guys, uh, and I've got this quote here uh, by uh, the uh, commissioner, uh, Rob Manfred, and his quote when asked about the uh, format, he says, it's just been two years, okay? And then he pointed out and said here that uh, some of the top seeds had lost and other contributing factors beyond the five-day layoff. Okay, well, why don't you tell us what those, as he understood, the contributing factors were? I know you pointed it out, but why do you think he didn't, why didn't he go any further explanation, what he thought the contributing factors might be? I mean, I, I, I'm sure that would have been more team-by-team team related and not league-related. I mean, I, in, he, he can't criticize teams, so it, I think that's his way of implying that teams didn't handle it well, but, but obviously he's not going to throw some of his own members under the bus. Well, I mean, why could he generically, like you pointed out, say, you know, maybe the, the layoff is a major contributing factor to why the top-seeded teams well, because that would be an admission of guilt, and then he would need to change the format. Ooh, well, why is that uh, so difficult? Why is it hard for people to admit, I made a mistake? Right, yeah, no, I don't know. I, and again, I feel a little less ten toes down about it since it is year two. I thought it was year three, and I'd collected data for three years, but it's actually two. Uh, but but it's it's still it's still looking like there is an impact. I mean, period. And and everyone other than the Astros has had trouble figuring it out. And I I think this will continue honestly to some degree. And I I don't think that ultimately you you ask what's good for the sport and that sort of thing. In the regular season, it's sure it's good that more teams have the. Uh, the ability to to hang around the playoff race for longer, more fan bases stay engaged, sure. But ultimately, it's not good for the sports if the regular season ceases to mean anything by all, always the the good teams losing in it. And and so we'll, we'll, we'll they will not change it. So we'll how or at least not right now. So we'll see how the next couple of years of this go. But if this trend continues and it becomes a, an absolutely real thing, then that that would that would not be good for the sport. Yeah. Can't change until I saw December the first, two thousand twenty-six. There you go. So at least uh, what three more years? Then going to yeah. have it for five. You said it'll yeah. be up to, to the union, but you were right on uh, about the format. Uh, Manager Dave Roberts, I'm reading his comment here, um, said this about the break, the format. He said it's hard. That was his quote. He says five days is different than what we're used to. He said the All Star break is three, maybe four days, and that's long. Yeah, the format works for the fans. It's great for the baseball, but when you're living it, he said it's an adjustment, and that's probably what he's put that mildly. Uh, I'm sure he probably had stronger words in private, um, but uh, the, the format doesn't work. In fact, I was going to ask you guys: Do you recall or do you know why or what led to the format change? That, yeah, they added another team. They had been putting in, but why? Uh, again, all all the factors of keeping more teams involved. When you keep more teams involved, you have more fan bases involved. You have less teams to stop caring, 
in terms of just playing a bunch of minor leaguers and not playing the month of September. It's kind of their version of tanking where it's kind of hard for a team to tank or an individual to tank, but if a team just stops playing their veterans and calls up a bunch of AAA guys, that sort of thing. And so when when you do that, attendance drops and and team, people don't care about those teams in that game and et cetera. So it's just an effort to get more of a league wide uh, league wide participation for for longer. Okay, and just digging to the weeds, guys. Uh, what explains the just to me inexcusable? And I say I tell them because I love the Braves. You know, how how does Acuna not do what Cassiano did? Because Steve, it doesn't work that way, man. I don't want to hear his name. I don't want to hear his name uh, until next season, maybe, if then. I mean, he was a horror to the Braves. He was. Why did he do it? And the Cunha, who broke all these kind of records, but didn't. it didn't matter one damn bit in the series. Again, Steve, that's, I, we can say it so many times, it's up to you to believe it or not, and obviously you've not believed it to this point. Well, I can't but, accept it. Because well, well, that's sports player, and like that's Acuna. baseball. The base is loaded. The base is loaded. Here's your chance. Here's your, here's your and he time, hit it man. hard. He hit it hard. I mean, he yeah. hit it to the warning track, did he not? Rookie, Just missed it. caught it. Yeah. Okay, well, what is it? Still, he's an outfielder. He's a major league outfielder. I mean, it's not like that was an impossible play to make. It was not robbing a home run. Okay, but, I mean, come on. The bases are loaded. Okay, and let's, let's don't stop there. How about in the ninth inning? No outs. I, yeah, I mean, they they blew their opportunities, for sure. And how does it happen? Because it happens a lot. They lost, by the way, 58 games this year. So even amidst their best season ever, you still lost 50-some-odd times over the course of six months. And so that that kind of result, that kind of series, that kind of week is still within the season. It happens to all these teams. It still happens at some point. And then you play better teams, it becomes more likely to happen. It's still... Look, the Braves, I still believe, better than the Phillies. Absolutely. But okay, can well, this happen in a short sample? Sure. It can what happen in a short the Phillies, though? Why is that team their kryptonite? Because they have a very talented roster. Because they have historically started slow, but they always finish strong. I saw today, I think they started like 25 and 30 or something like that. Went 70 and 40-ish the rest of the year. They have a so bunch is of. Is it management's fault that they couldn't figure out? Hey, the Phillies are back again. Let's go do what what happened last year. I mean, is it their fault then? I, I certainly no. I, I think they were very aware of the challenge. I mean, they even changed the lineup from the very first game. So I, I think they were giving the Phillies all the respect in the world. Uh, but sometimes you. I mean, this is also. I, I boil it down to this is also how sports work sometimes, and you don't play your best at every moment of every game. And in baseball, that is no different. We we celebrate people that get it right thirty percent of the time. So there's a lot of room for error between these all these different players. The worst players in the league get it right twenty two percent of the time, and the best get it right thirty percent of the time. That is that is not a lot of error. So that's why they have so many of these games to try to play it out during a hundred. 162 game season because there's a lot of different outcomes for these players and they're very even over a long period of time they're still very very close so um, if I'm hearing you this is just typically a bad luck of run a bad run of luck Sure. I mean, that is a that is a lot of it. I mean, obviously, because also I just don't know how you prepare differently. It's kind of what uh, what Brian Sinker said. I mean, they they did the. They did the games out with fans. I, I don't know what else you, you the Braves were supposed to do to prepare. 
and then you get in the games and they just didn't execute and they just missed. Again, Acuna just misses a home run. I think Pilar hit one to the warning track last night. You, you unfor- I mean, it's unfortunate, and they still deserve some blame for sure. But how does it happen? It happens because this is baseball. It happened to the Dodgers. It happened to the Orioles. It happened to the Rays before the Orioles. When you play this few of games for something, when you decided that you have to play 162 in the regular season to figure things out, when you play three or four or five, you're not guaranteed the same results of, of, the, of the mean, or you're not guaranteed the same results of what happened for the majority of a season because there's a lot of different outcomes within that season. Okay. Can you tell me quickly, because I haven't looked it up, who had the best, um, I guess, uh, winning record against the damn Phillies this year? What team? Oh, I don't know. I, I I'd have to go I'm through there. I'd love to know. Hey, that's that, that's who I need to talk with. You know, I like let me find out what you know. What did they do uh, to be so good against the Phillies? Because they're not that damn good. But anyway, uh, so we're done with. And gosh, I'm mocked. I got pull for Texas Rangers now. And I hate the Astros. Yeah, or you can pull for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Okay. All right. Moving on, guys. I love your comments about. Uh, what were you thinking, right, category? And that's me, guys, about having a wedding during football season, right? That's right. Okay. Well, you know, love, unfortunately, uh, for me anyway, makes you do stupid things. And my wife wanted to be done on when? September the 20th. Mm. Man. Mm-hmm. His wife, because she said after that, after she got married, I ruined uh, the fall season for her. Why? Because in the past, up until recently, who used to be the football team that Auburn would play? LSU in the month of September. It always was right around the 20th. And so I was glued to the TV celebrating our anniversary and um, a bad, <laughs> bad call on my part there. Uh, so I, I learned my lesson. Don't do it. Don't, 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 don't get married during football season if you can avoid it. So uh, with that said, guys, I've heard your comments and, you know, the odds obviously are not against us. My heart says Auburn wins 24-21 to because I had a dream about this guy for the past several nights. And no kidding. And our guy, is it McPherson, our field goal kicker? Yep. Yeah. Alex McPherson. At the last second, uh, 63-yard field goal. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. That so, would be impressive. Uh, so, guys, uh, everything you said, you know, I'm worried about, you know, uh, I'm thinking the maybe the realistic way that we can uh, win this game tomorrow night is for the defense to score more points, our defense, than they can. Or, uh, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm guessing here, you know, uh, Stat Tiger said you had to have, uh, for Auburn, anyway, eight impact plays to have an 83% chance of winning. So with that said, I guess we need four, at least half of those eight impact plays by the defense, right? Oh, I don't know. It, I, I still think they need to come offensively because I'm not seeing how the defense creates that demonstrative and negative plays. I, I, I That would be more zone for if Auburn was playing a weak offensive team. LSU is going to produce a lot of positive and a lot of good offensive plays. It's about, LS, it's about Auburn limiting LSU's productive drives in the field goals rather right. than touchdowns. Uh, I'm just thinking turnovers, Ron. You know, fumbles. I know, uh, but they don't do that often. Daniels only has two picks on the year. I know. However, uh, you see, this is a you know, there's a good call by this uh, on digressing here by uh, Phil Marshall about the longevity of the series uh, that I'm going to miss uh, since 1992. It was ongoing continuously for 30 years. Well, there have been some crazy, crazy damn games 
you know, they even have names to them, you know, the interception game, four interceptions in the fourth quarter, you know, uh, the, the earthquake game, you know, you, uh, uh, the, the barn burning, you know, game, you know, uh, you, you just named these games, the 10 to 9 game, you know, that, uh, and I'm going to miss those, but crazy things happen in this game. Teams, uh, that are, shouldn't win in the LSU Auburn game, they end up winning, you know, uh, We've we've blown twice uh, in in those games, uh, twenty point leads, uh, and I'm gonna miss those kind of games because uh, they, they were just you know crazy. So you thinking crazy things that happen. There is one football player, guys, who's an SEC analyst on SEC Network. I don't know if you caught his comments. Uh, who, who gives us a legitimate chance of winning and upsetting uh, Auburn? Do you know who it is? Who would that be? I love that guy. I even met him. Uh, guy was autographed when he was uh, uh, at Auburn for a signing. Uh, Takeo Spikes. All right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I saw that on SEC Network now that you mentioned it. Yeah. He did, yeah. Uh, he says, yeah, we got a legit chance of uh, upsetting him. So I'm just thinking, guys, some trick plays. You know, uh, catch him off guard. You know, do not expect like maybe a fake field goal, you know, just around the 10 to 15-yard line. Uh, it's been done before. How about an unexpected onside kick? Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah. I know those are risky, but you got to – I think you got to do something to, you know, to catch them by uh, unawares. Yeah, no, I, I think that you could see some of that. I mean, and also teams coming off a bye, they usually have some extra time to cook things up. But also Auburn, they've just got to focus on, uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to any of that. Sure, I enjoy seeing that kind of stuff. But they've got to work on their base stuff. Like they've still not perfected and identified everything that they need to be doing uh, time in, time out on offense. And, uh, you know, I think that against LSU, their defense has been so poor that if you execute even pretty simple stuff well, you should be able to to make yards on them. I mean, again, they're giving up yards left and right. It's bad. And so even though they have a couple of individually great players, it's been bad. So I, I, think, you will, I think you could see some of that trick stuff for sure. But I would be disappointed, even though we've seen some pretty bad Auburn offense, I'd be disappointed if Auburn truly needed that in order to just move the ball or score occasionally. I I think that they still should be able to run the ball pretty effectively, and they will at least have their opportunities even to throw. Uh, I do not expect the coverage to be as good as it was uh, against Georgia. So they, they will have their chances. It's up to them to execute it. Well, how about some passes to some of our running backs? Like Mati, or uh, say to uh, um, I don't know, maybe Jaquez Hunter. You know, uh, you, you know, just some short passes out to them. I definitely think you could see some stuff to Mati. I mean, I think they want to get him uh, a few opportunities out on the edge, and and, and that's Cobb. that's not going to change. You know, I, Cobb maybe. Uh, I I definitely think that they will try to utilize all those guys at some point, but. You know, the, the simple pass stuff, I mean, the, against a good defense, I would say that would not be uh, very productive because it would be would be pretty easy to stop. But LSU's had trouble stopping everything. So maybe something simple like that, just getting an athlete on the edge, would be able to make some yards. Okay. Uh, you guys um, are ready to make your predictions yet or not? Uh yeah well I'll have to give Brooks uh, a prediction here because we've only got a couple minutes left in the hour and he will not be okay. on hour number three. Brooks, what you got, man? Man, I don't know it. I I think that Auburn 
like I said, if Auburn can go in and they can they can limit the possessions for LSU and limit the time that Jaden Daniels is on the field, you can set yourself up in a position to win to to be in a position to win the game. Um, I, I I just you know when you look at it, I, I just don't know if Auburn's passing game is as prolific enough that uh, to be able to. Uh, to get the job done. I know that LSU's pass defense is, is bad, but I just don't have as much faith that Auburn's passing game can get that much better it's, over the last really two bad. weeks. They're right 121, 121. Yeah, and, and Auburn's way down there too in pass offense. And so ultimately I think LSU wins the game. I, I think that it's probably a, a touchdown. Don't, I, don't say it. Don't say it, man. <laughs> I, I think it's a touchdown uh, a touchdown game, but I, I think Auburn keeps it close. But I think that offense and Jane Daniels is just a little, little too much uh, for that Auburn defense. Okay, I can give my best Steve Carell. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Steve, we got one more okay. minute here. All right. Okay, um, next week I want to tell you about something that has been developed uh, that may be the future of uh, uh, college NFL uh, uh, teams. Uh, AT&T has um, done some uh, or cooperative research and studies with Gallaudet College, the uh, college for the, uh, the, the deaf uh, people, and they've, uh, they've actually, you know, I saw it, uh, they've created a mini transparent screen that looks onto the inside of the helmet in which they then get to see the plays that the coaches want them to run. Wow. Interesting. Yes. And so then, because they said, you know, obviously it's a, it's a deaf college, you know, they have to either know what the hand signals are, and that sometimes isn't that easy to do, uh, but the, they get a screen that's uh, right in front of, uh, inside their helmet, and they can see the plays. Uh, so I thought that's pretty neat. It's, uh, it's fine. Gee, anyway, I'll talk to you more about uh, tomorrow, I mean, uh, the next day. So, uh, now you guys, I think you're going to the game, right? Uh, that is correct. Do you know anybody going to the game? Any friends or anything? Uh, not not really any any friends no. that I'm aware of. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you guys have a, a enjoyable and relaxing afternoon uh, and weekend. And uh, who knows? You know, maybe Kill Spikes knows something that I don't and the rest of us don't know, and we come out in a crazy game and win it. 63-yard field goal, guys. There we go. There we go. All right. Thank you, guys. Your, my time is way up. Thank you for your time. Y'all have a safe afternoon and evening, and we'll talk to you on Monday, Warrior Cast. Warrior Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for hour number two. We also say goodbye to Brooks Childress. Bye, guys. Uh, I'm sorry we could not get more of your football Bye, picks in, uh, but uh, we certainly appreciate you for being here today, and we look forward to hearing you on the Warguard broadcast tonight. My only request is people watch football this weekend. Watch all the football. Watch all the football. I'll Forget that baseball exists. Out of time for hour number two. <laughs> Coming up in hour number three, the Sports Call 5 at 5. Presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll hit on some of the other matchups in college football this weekend and a few more thoughts on Auburn LSU. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here the rest of the way on this Friday, just over 24 hours until Auburn and LSU inside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Tiger Stadium. So we'll get a little bit more on Auburn LSU in just a couple moments. Also a little bit around some of the big games in college football this weekend. And we start to do that with the Sports Call 5 at 5, which of course is presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. For the 5 at 5 today, going to briefly mention the five SEC games that do not include Auburn. That is a perfectly round number for what we're doing here. So we start off with number one. And that will be a real competitive one in Nashville. Number one, Georgia goes to Vanderbilt or Georgia North, Georgia Northwest, however you want to term what Nashville and what Vandy Stadium is going to look like on Saturday. Georgia 32 and a half point favorites on the road after dismantling Kentucky, and I'm not expecting much different with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt will be really excited that they don't have to play Georgia each and every year once the divisions are gone. Number two. Another one that I don't think will be particularly close, not as big of a blowout as George Vandy, but Alabama, number 11 in the country, hosting two and four Arkansas. That one's 11 a.m. on ESPN. Alabama has survived the last couple of tests against Texas A&M and against Ole Miss. Now I think that they're going to be primed for a pretty decisive victory as they get ready for the next tough part of their schedule, which will be Tennessee and LSU. But Bama about 19.5-point favorites against Arkansas, who continues to struggle here in year number four with Sam Pittman. Number three. This one will probably be the game of the week in the SEC if it's not Auburn-LSU. It's number 19, Tennessee, taking on Texas A&M. Tennessee just a three-point home favorite. That's the 230 CBS game. That one will be interesting. A&M was certainly hanging around with Bama last weekend and did lead them at times, so it was not a decisive, uh, you know, a a, a completely big blowout or anything like that. It was still a very competitive game. However, they have to go now on the road to Neyland Stadium. Joe Milton needs to have his first big game. This is a good Texas A&M defense, so that one will be interesting to see how he fares as they get ready for the big test against Alabama in the coming week. Number four. This one is a little bit interesting, too. Not as important, but it's certainly harder to predict. Florida goes to South Carolina as the Gamecocks just two and three on the season, but they are the two-point favorites at home. Florida was able to beat Tennessee, the aforementioned Volunteers, who do have one loss in the year and it is at the hands of the Gators. But Florida has still not looked good for the majority of the season, so it's still going to be hard to predict this one 
in Columbia as the Gamecocks try to get back to 500 and Billy Napier tries to secure a pretty decent season. So that one will be important there. And last but not least in the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. Missouri and Kentucky who both had disappointing outcomes last week for different reasons. Not that Kentucky expected to go into Athens and win, but they certainly didn't expect to lose by nearly 40 points. They host Missouri, who had an opportunity to beat LSU and stay undefeated. However, late interception there did end Missouri after Jaden Daniels played some incredible football, especially in the fourth quarter. Kentucky still holding on to the number 24 ranking, and they are two and a half point home favorites that is the sports call five at five presented by southeastern land group the five sec matchups outside of auburn and lsu so cam uh those matchups uh, you know truthfully the the top ranked teams they're just not playing um playing big games this weekend there are a couple games again towards the middle of the slate that are going to be i think close games maybe they're not nationally relevant but but close entertaining games what do you think of the slate I certainly think that Tennessee and Texas A&M is going to be an interesting one. Really haven't heard too much about uh, about Tennessee. They've just been kind of flying under the radar, not really, you know, impressing anybody too much. They do have the one loss at, at you know, at Florida. Um, so it's not even necessarily that they're out of it, honestly. Um, they've just, you know, they've just been – you know, just kind of chilling, cruising through through whatever whatever their schedule is. Uh, they do have a you know a, a, towards the end of the season uh, they'll they'll you know get they'll have to face UGA and they'll have to face uh, uh, Alabama. So that's where things really will get interesting for Tennessee uh, to see who they really really are. Um, I, I think that game against Texas A&M will pose a, a little bit of difficulty. I, I still think I expect uh, Tennessee to win just because they're in Neyland Stadium uh, and and that that home field advantage is, is just ridiculous um you know the line's only tennessee minus three which is kind of surprising i thought it'd be just a tad more in tennessee's favor but um maybe just there's some respect for texas a&m there especially with how they fought against bama um but that was they were you know in, in kyle field so uh that that makes definitely a bit of a difference in my opinion um so I think that'll be a good one. I think that'll certainly be an interesting one. Um, and then the the Florida-South Carolina game, that's another one that, you know, Florida just still hasn't, like, fully figured it out. But South Carolina has been more disappointing than you would have expected um, in this in this season. You know, you, you expected them to take more of a step forward, and it seems like they've taken a step back. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure what I expect from there. I do – I. I do think I think that one's the good, probably probably going to be the closest one. I'm 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 kind of it's either going to be that one or going to be Mizzou and, and Kentucky. It's 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 one of those two. I'm not 100 percent sure yet um, which one I would lean to be truly the closest game. Uh, I think both of those games truly could come down to the wire. Uh, certainly would be interesting, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, those those last three right there, Texas A&M, Tennessee, that'll be a good one. Florida, South Carolina, I think that'll be a pretty decent one as well to kind of like mid to, uh, you know, I know I, I kind of expected ten, uh, South Carolina just to be better. I really did. Um, so it is disappointing that they're they're not that great. Um, 
but uh, I do expect that one to be a good one. And then Mizzou and Kentucky. I wish, you know, I'm kind of disappointed that Mizzou got knocked out of the rankings so easily after having such a close game against LSU. You know, LSU got rewarded for having, what, 39 points dropped on them. And that was a close game literally until Brady Cook throws that interception and it just turns into a pick six. Um, and, and, you know, that's unfortunate. I, I thought they played pretty well, and I know they were at home, but again, still, I, I think they're having a really good season. Um, I could definitely see them kind of upsetting Kentucky here. Um, I know it's going to be tough because they are in Lexington, but that, that, that one certainly will be an interesting one. Um, I, I think I, I think I kind of favor Mizzou a little bit more. I'm just not really in love with what Kentucky's doing. Um, again, you know, you expected them to be a little bit better and I know they kind of beat themselves, especially early in the game against UGA. And you can't do that obviously against the number one team in the nation and you're going to their house, especially that, but, I, I didn't think that I just I'm just not overall impressed with what they have going on, but I do like what Mizzou has going, uh, so I do expect them. I, I think that they could could make it an interesting game and, and maybe win out. So those three matchups uh, are definitely definitely interesting, and um, I'll try to tune into as much as I can outside of my wedding wedding time. But um, I, I won't see much of Mizzou or probably any of Mizzou Kentucky. But that Florida and South Carolina game, I'll definitely take a look at, and and definitely Texas A&M and Tennessee. Yeah, Florida-South Carolina had a little more juice when the old ball coach was at South Carolina for uh, those couple handfuls of years. Right. And, and obviously had the Florida versus South Carolina stuff going on there. And it's just – it's been diminished a little bit to just who is in a who is in a not-as-bad situation <laughs> yeah. after winning it because Florida's obviously turned over a lot of coaches and, and South Carolina's not had any much success since Spurrier did leave there. Uh, you know, Shane Beamer was – talking the other day about you know he understands that you don't get a six-year plan and blah yeah. blah blah and it almost to me felt like he was saying like i kind of wanted a six-year plan but i understand it's not <laughs> what, what you get here he's you were in so year, close yeah. last year i <laughs> yeah. mean he's in year three now and they are two and three but again they they've you know they, they've taken some of their early lumps like that's the good news like a lot of their tougher stuff uh is behind them they've already played tennessee at tennessee they've already played georgia uh, North Carolina, who's ended up really good, but you know they still have Clemson and still have a couple other losable games on the yeah. the year, and certainly don't want to be losing at home to Florida. And I know Florida's got the better record, but I don't think Florida's a particularly good team. And I don't think so either. I said the other day, there's really nothing that I like uh, in particular about Florida's team. I don't like their quarterback. I don't nope. think the run game's good enough. Nope. Uh, you know, I, I think the defense is is hot and cold. I think it takes advantage of a home crowd, but then as you know, just a kind of yeah. a standard defense away from Florida. I mean, they got run all over at Kroger Field by Kentucky, and with all due respect to Florida, you should not be getting run all over by Kentucky. Nope. I don't care about uh, yeah, um, how good Ray Davis is. Right? I, yeah, be, just yeah, you shouldn't it, let that happen. It was it was all day. I mean, it was enough to th- make people think they were going to run successfully in Georgia, <laughs> and right. then Georgia laughed. Uh, and so, uh-huh. I, I don't think that I don't think that Florida's particularly good. So I th- I lean towards South Carolina in that game, the Tennessee A and M game. I. I really do have a, a tough time predicting because it's a tough one because AM has played pretty good like they, they're just a little short they played well against uh, about as well as you could against short, Alabama with, without getting it done I mean there was a, a bad decision here a bad decision there we we didn't really talk much about the aftermath of that game but but again it was a big deal that I can't remember if it was Stewart or, or which receiver it was that had just narrowly stepped out it's kind of slid out of bounds at the two yard line yeah. instead of scoring 
that sequence becomes a little more interesting if they scored that touchdown instead of having to lose another minute off the clock, lose a timeout, and then only take the field goal. I mean, it would have been 26-24 there with three and a half minutes left, all their timeouts. Uh, that, that, that could, they really could have still gotten that done at that moment. And then Alabama had the, the third and seven that was fortuitous because uh, McClellan or whoever's knee was down before he possessed it. Then he possessed it after the knee had come back up, was able to go get his first down. So, I mean, that game was very close uh, to being different, even if, if it didn't necessarily realize it at the time. Um, so A&M has not looked bad to me. I, I, I still can't figure the Miami performance. Uh, because even is, is what do you think an anomaly then? Because the defense hasn't been yeah, playing relatively been good terrible since then. Right. I mean, they gave up a couple deep shots to Bama, but Bama will do that too. Right. I mean, Jermaine Absolutely. Burton went off, but I mean, still giving up twenty six points. I think you clearly, I mean, you still batted in that realm of acceptable play there. I, I, I think that again, A and M's clearly better than last year. Now that's not saying a lot because they went five and seven. But remember, last year they still weirdly beat LSU. They had one play to try to beat Bama right. at the ten yard line or what, eight yard line, whatever. Like even for what it was last year, you saw individual moments of their talent, and now that's at least improved to you're seeing more of a sequence of talent, but you're still not seeing the steadiness of their talent. And for all the money Fisher's paid, I mean it's still woefully short of expectations. But yeah. I say that to say the team hasn't quit. They're not far off. This Tennessee team with Milton has just been a little underwhelming. It's not it's not been bad. I mean, they did thump South Carolina. Right. South Carolina was not that competitive in that game. Nope. But, you know, beating Virginia, at the time I knew it wasn't much. Uh, at, now it's like beating uh, – to be quite frank with you, it's like beating a little Conference USA <laughs> right, team. Right, Because Virginia is over and there were – like James Madison is a better team than Virginia and Liberty That's is wild. a better team than Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Virginia's awful, so so that really gets taken off the resume. Then you look at the Florida game, where I know that's a house of horrors for Tennessee, but still, so I just you you'd think it, as being probably the more talented team, right, I, and probably the better coached team. Yeah, more more specifically yeah. that, more yeah. specifically, you're in year three, right, versus year two of Napier. You had a excellent year last year. Florida had a uh, yeah, year last is. year, and Florida to that point, I mean, their only thing on their record at that point was not looking particularly good at Utah, a Utah team that has no offense. So like, <laughs> yeah. it's not that, so you know, people came out of the game and said, oh, Florida's defense at least right. held them down. Well, everyone's yeah. holding down Utah. They right. don't have Cam Rising, and no. that does and matter that, to that them. That matters big time. So I don't really have a great feel, to be honest yeah, with you, with the one. Tennessee A&M game. I'm going to lean towards home teams because home that's, teams matter. That's kind of where I'm at. But this is one of those I'd pick the home team no matter what, to be yeah. truthful. and. I, I have not seen, because I know Tennessee goes third Saturday in October here to Bama next week. I've seen nothing yet that says Milton's going to go into to Bryant-Denny, play well enough for them to pull that one off. So I'll be looking to see if he can check that box this week, because they also got Georgia and Neyland. And, man, I tell you what, the, the most – other than other than being teams that are truly already out of it, like LSU can't make the playoff to two losses, for right. example. Other than the teams that are truly out of it, Tennessee's loss to Florida is the most random, damaging, <laughs> yeah. uh, season-jeopardizing loss in the entire conference right now, and one of them in the entire country, because them losing to Florida gives them no outs, because they play Alabama and Georgia. If they lose to Alabama, which is perfect, which is absolutely, absolutely what's going to be expected yeah, to happen, right? but if they pull off that Georgia upset, 
Great. That's awesome. Georgia still wins the East. Yep. You, you have messed yourself up that where you cannot lose to Alabama now. No mistakes. And still win the East. Yep. No mistakes. And, and that was a bad fault of theirs. And, you know, maybe they end up at eight and four anyway, and it was a pipe dream to begin with. But I, I still hold out. I still think something's in there with Milton, although we haven't seen it. And I know that environment's crazy. That's still the game, even more than Ole Miss, that Georgia has the, the most of a chance of losing. What that chance actually is, I don't know. But that's still the game that will be toughest, in my opinion. And it might not make a hill of beans difference in the East. Yeah. It may, it, Tennessee, because of that Florida loss, will probably have two losses already coming in. Yeah, Milton throwing for 63% right now on 1,164 yards, nine touchdowns, three picks. So like, It's it's fine, it's fine but yeah, it's underwhelming. It's, yeah, it's underwhelming. Yeah. You, you know, you're expecting probably closer to, you know, maybe maybe 1,500 yards, yeah. you know, maybe like 12. With that offense, 12, with how many 13, plays they yeah. get off. 12, 13 touchdowns. The three picks is really – can't really hold – Yeah, that's yep, fine. That's fine. You know, I'll take that. But, you know, you probably want to have like – 13, 14 more, you know, type type of touchdowns, then maybe you're you're looking a little bit well, better. And also just given the competition, like you could argue, well, oh, they kind of pulled away, he didn't he throw on the fourth quarter. But I also would argue, but if he's not throwing for three hundred yards on these teams, why would he all of a sudden go do into Bryant Denny yeah, and do right. it? Why would he do it against Georgia's defense? Like at some level, like you can still put a three hundred yard performance up on a team like Virginia or yeah, you know, whoever. Um, I mean, their leading receiver has two hundred and seventy six yards. Brew McCoy getting hurt hurts. Yeah, he's that out. Definitely hurts. Uh, so, so Tennessee definitely in a questionable situation. We're gonna go ahead and take our next timeout of the show. When we come back, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We'll also delve in more to the Auburn LSU game and to those couple of matchups outside of the SEC that are in the top twenty five. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday, starting to wind down this Friday edition of the show, about a half hour to go. Reminder, high school football coming up right here on Tiger 95.9, starting at 6.30 with Beauregard, and then 6.30 on FM Talk 93.9 with Smith Station. For now, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889 at Tiger 9. Next up on the program, Russell from Auburn. Russell is with us. Russell, how are you this afternoon? I'm okay this afternoon. I was not very good last night. Very fair. Felt. Um, very disappointing, obviously, um, to give up three solo home runs and score one run is not Spencer Strider's fault. Um, huge at bat. I couldn't get in the seventh inning. Bases loaded. He gave it a ride, but when you're when your MVP on your team hits two singles in a four game series, it's not going to cut it, guys. Um, 
just like for the Dodgers. I mean, Betts and Freeman went a combined one for whatever against the Diamondbacks. I mean, that's when your best players, your MVPs, your All-Stars, when they don't show up for your team and the other team you're playing do show up, it's a one-sided series. And it's as simple as that. Um, you know, I know we had that conversation about the long break, and I'll get to that in a minute, but Phillies outplayed us. I mean, they they honestly – sometimes you just got to look at them and just say, they were harder than us. They played better baseball than us. They outpitched us. They outhit us. They outdefensed us, period. I mean, it, it just – all three phases of the game, Braves got beat. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Now, I mean, you know, to make excuses, I mean, I, I, I don't think that – I don't think that there is a whole lot of excuse – when that happens, the one thing I will say about the whole break thing is is um, that series turns around, totally turns around if we don't have a long break and we can win that first game. When the Phillies win that first game of the series because we've had a long break and we're not firing on all cylinders and we're not – they, they've already played two meaningful games and won and have their feet under them. That one game, that first game, it it totally changes the series. It gives them home field advantage. And it, it, it's as simple as that. That's where the break comes in. The rest of the games, the rest of the games, there's no excuse. That one game, that first game, flips the series. And it did it last year, and it did it this year. Both of those times, I mean, they're identical. Last year and this year is identical. We lose that first game, we win the second game, we go to Philly and lose two games. If we can win that first game, then we can come back to Atlanta possibly, you know? So yeah. it's just that that's where the whole break thing. Now, for the excuse for the whole series, no. But it is an excuse for that first game, and it showed up – for the whole league. I mean, you're talking about the five best teams in baseball won one game in the playoffs. One game. The five best records in the playoffs in baseball won one game. And the Braves had to pretty much come back in that seventh and eighth to win that game. Yeah. We're down four nothing. I mean, you know, so there is something there. Is it an excuse? Maybe for that first game, but not for the rest of the series. The Braves just got it handed to them. Um, I will preview a little bit, just if nobody's looked. The bullpen is gone, okay? Our bullpen is completely, pretty much free agents, mm-hmm. except Iglesias and Mentor, I think. So they've got to rebuild this bullpen. When you look at across over at Philly and what they brought to the table and what they signed, and what they have in their bullpen, everybody throwing 100, about three or four left-handers, it's very obvious that, you know, if they have a bad start, from a, which they didn't, but if they have a bad start from a Bryce Elder, they can go to the bullpen and they can shut you down. Or if they want to play a bullpen game, they can shut you down. And that bullpen has to be rebuilt, and the Braves have to have. We cannot sit here and speculate about Soroka anymore. We just have to assume he's not ever going to be Soroka again. They have to have one or two, I'm minimum two to three number start, number two or three starter, okay? You've got to add to Freed and Strider. 
That's all you can count on. They might sign Morton again, and Morton can eat innings, but that's all he can do, okay? He's going to wear out at the end of the year. You can just bank on it, just like he did. You know, he's, he's 40. The guy's 40. So you've got to go sign a couple of starters. And then the only other hole, because everybody else comes back pretty much in the field, is left field. Rosario and Pilar are both free agents. You got your DH in Azuna, but you've got a hole in left field. So that's the preview for next year. Who you need? You've got to have pitching. The Phillies embarrassed us. They outpitched us like crazy, and that's not to take anything away against Strider and Freed. They pitched pretty good. I mean, you can't ask for more than what they gave us. But when they shut our offense that we watched all year down, it's like. You know, I understand that Wheeler and Noah are really good, but we've hit them this year. As a matter of fact, like three weeks ago, we knocked Wheeler around like crazy up there. So it's not impossible, but in that setting, we didn't have, we, we have to have better pitching. And I feel like it's obviously starters because we're not as deep with Bryce Elder having a pitch, but the bullpen is a glaring, glaring difference in what they have versus what we have. I appreciate y'all taking the call. Y'all have a good one. Warrior. Absolutely, Russell War Eagle. That is Russell calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate uh, Russell's thoughts there on the Braves. Uh, can't get too much into it in the remaining time, but I will say that yeah, they're they're probably looking at about half of a new bullpen. I think that they still have. I think Pierce Johnson's still less than six years yeah. of service time. So Braves, that's still team control. Uh, I mentioned Iglesias and Mentor there. I don't know if Chavez will want to play another year. I, I would not expect someone like Brad Hand to be back. No. Uh, I, I think Colin McHugh's probably run his course. Yep. Um, and, and then there's one or two other guys I'm not thinking of at the moment. I, you know, they'll, they'll probably. I think they still have uh, control uh, for uh, the long reliever uh, that's escaping me right now. Came in at the end of game four or, or game three. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Was really good this year, and I uh, righty. Tall righty. Anyway, I'll think Tonkin? of it. Yes, Josh Tonkin. Thank you. Or not Josh Michael. Tonkin, Michael Tonkin. I was thinking Josh Tomlin for a second. Michael Tonkin. <laughs> I think he's still under team control. So I think they'll be about half and half there. Um, I, I think that the, the starters for next year will be a, the biggest question mark personally because uh, it is not a foregone conclusion. Morton plays. He might retire. I thought, right. to my knowledge, they had already agreed to a contract for next year if he were to play. So I don't think there's any free agent there. He's either a brave or he retires. But Kyle Wright will not pitch next year. He, he's gone. Uh, he, he did not pitch well this year. He was injured this year. Kyle Wright's out for next year. And I agree on the Soroka. I, I just don't see just don't him. see it. I, I certainly don't see him ever being an ace pitcher again. If he's even a big league pitcher again, I, that, so that's still to be determined too. Yeah. Uh, so, so they might have three spots there. Uh, well, they'll have two. I mean, Elder will still be in the rotation. What you what you'll get out of him, you you, you can be uncertain right. about because of his second half. But uh, at least two starting spots, maybe a, a third if if Elder's unreliable. Anyway, so decent so, amount of change. Okay, yeah, definitely. All I mean, a lot of change that could definitely be coming. So I would assume that they might be interested in taking a shot for Otani. Right? Could be that could be a starting pitcher, maybe. Uh, I'm still very skeptical they will spend that kind of money. Yeah, but. that's fair. Blake Snell could be an option, right? Yes, it, no, maybe. It, it, I mean, we could name these great names. I, I don't. I want to have a better understanding of what the Braves want to spend. Yeah, I mean, because they've already you've already locked up your core. If you're not right. interested in going for it every single year, then what are you doing? Well, 
And I know it's got to I – mean, yeah, that, that's – what are you doing? <laughs> we, we, will, we will certainly get into that. There's also the knowledge of one more year and then Max Fried's a free agent and thinking about if yeah. there's an extension there or thinking about his potential replacement as the star of the staff, but knowing that there is a big pitching contract that's right. due in one year too – I again, I just I, I don't know I don't know what the appetite is there, but but I certainly think they will have to have to make make strides there. I uh, feel like you became a publicly traded company or publicly traded to know, probably help with that to yeah. help with this. So I I feel like now's not the time to be stingy like they have in years past. I feel like now is if you're going to go and you have this championship window that you truly do have. Um, and you have it for probably, I would say, another three-ish years, roughly, with your core. I would go three, closer to five. Four, five, yeah. five? Okay, five years. All right, that's five. Could, They're all there. That's all true. the headers are there Til, for another yeah, five for, years. For another five years. Yeah. Okay, so you got a five-year window with a lot of your guys locked up. You got you got Strider locked up. I would – I mean, you got to think about Freed. I would expect that he's been good enough that you would probably want to – Definitely give him. A you contact. need him to be healthier yeah, next year, need, but he was great. You need him to be healthy. healthier, but he was great. Exactly, great when healthy. You know what you're getting out of him when he's healthy. So then you got to go get at least two more starting worthy pitchers. I know you said Elder, you know, but you don't know. You just don't know what you're going to get out yeah, of him. If he if he if he, if if he back, just got fine, tired, then right. he'll be fine. But right. if, if they if the league if figured him out, then right. he's not going to be fine. Exactly. Yeah. We'll and, see what that was. And then Morton is. Old. I mean, just plain and simple. As much as you love him, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, he's on the older side of things. Maybe you get him for next year, but that doesn't help you down the road because you might get him for next year, and then you're not probably going to get him for the year after that. So you you really probably only have either one year left of Charlie or zero years left of Charlie. So, um, you know, where I mean, in terms of pitching, I just don't know where you go from there. And you know, really and truly, I know you know the I I think the Otani contract might might have dropped just a little bit just because of you know this injury that he's been dealing with and he's not even going to be able to pitch it all next year you know so you you can still pay the contract but the contract's probably going to be a little bit lower because you're like well yes we're getting a hitter this year that's it we're just getting a hitter we're not getting the pitcher in otani next year so i wonder if that's going to play a part i know it's still going to be an astronomical amount of money but i feel like that number has dropped just just a bit I still believe, and I still believe those bigger contracts. When I see them from the standpoint of they've already invested more money than they've traditionally ever done, absolutely with and the Riley and Olson and Murphy right. contracts, amongst others. So we we can acknowledge all those contracts are awesome contracts. The only one that might end up being in question is 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 Murphy's. Uh, yeah. We'll see, but. Definitely we also have to acknowledge that that's still when you add all of them up and Harris and Acuna and Strider and all these pieces, it's the eight to ten players are still over a hundred million dollars of salary right there. And you, I mean, you can afford one or two more big contracts, but you can't just unless they're going to become like the no, Mets, or, no, yeah, you know. But sure. but we'll we'll see. I mean, they were still top ten in payroll this year already, so we'll see if how their appetite to get much higher. Let's move on here. A couple more topics we need to get to before the show concludes today. Let's talk real briefly before we loop back to final Auburn LSU thoughts about a couple of these these great games, particularly out west here. 
Louis. Uh, number eight, Oregon. Number seven, Washington. Top Ooh. ten matchup. This is this is what you're waiting from for from a quarterback perspective. Knicks and Penix. What do you think? Oh my gosh, I, I can't I can't wait to watch this game. I'm gonna try and tune into this game as well. Uh, uh, that Knicks and Penix matchup is just like top tier quarterback matchup. Uh, Penix leading. You know, leading the uh, the the nation in yards and and yards per attempt and things like that, and their offense at Washington is just stellar. Um, whoever probably wins this game probably wins the Pac-12. I think maybe I mean their USC is still in there, but I just don't think USC has the defense to 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 really win out. Uh, they might score a lot of points, but Oregon also scores a lot of points. And they have a pretty competent defense. Washington's defense, I don't know as much about, but I do know that with Dan Lanning, you know, he built the UGA, you know, along with Kirby Smart. He was a defensive coordinator um, at UGA and, and you know, built a great defense there, out there um, up in Athens and then, you know, became the head coach out in Oregon. And, and now they've built a pretty tough uh, defense and, and they've been able to, to I mean, they, they held – uh, Colorado's offense to you know I mean minimal points so things like that you got to take into account that's going to be such a great quarterback matchup though man I I'm just excited to see uh, how how these how it plays out um, you know I I'm a I'm a fan of Penix just not even from just a college standpoint but from a professional from a professional standpoint I think he's going to be a pretty good professional quarterback as well um, and same with Bo Nix but just like Penix arm talent is just like crazy uh so it, it's gonna be a great game i'm excited to uh to tune into that one and uh it, it's gonna be an absolutely fascinating matchup yeah you know for me i think that it, it's really interesting about the dynamic of i think oregon's a little better team because yeah, I, I think that oregon's defense is at le- probably a full tier Above, yeah, above Washington. I think I, Oregon's I at least that. a B-tier defense, actually. When you're looking at it, uh, they've allowed six points in consecutive weeks. Now, Stanford's a nothing burger, but giving up six to Colorado, and that six was incredibly late in that game. They had them shut out for three-plus quarters. Uh, Ten to Hawaii's, whatever. The only blip in the radar was Texas Tech when they were on the road and gave up 30 points. And so They have some corner that's like locked down. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that with Oregon, they, they still – to me feel like they're a pretty decent defense bordering on potentially good now that will be extremely tested here against Washington whereas I think Washington still just kind of gets by defensively I think that they're still more than everybody yeah no they're still a, a, a very predominant offensive team but I mean numbers wise Oregon if you want to go with this Oregon's just more balanced so Washington like leads the country in passing but Oregon then runs for 220 a game to go with their over 300 yards Sheesh. passing so they they they're a little more balanced than Washington Bounce. is but uh, it's a lot of fun man I, I kind of lean towards Oregon uh, just because I do think there's a little defense within them but winning a huge game like this on the road like it takes a team to play yeah. clearly better I mean you don't just back your way into that sort of stuff so very interesting game there. Uh, another one I want to take a look at. This one lost a little bit of luster of Notre Dame losing at Louisville last week. But Notre Dame and USC, number 21 Notre Dame, number 10 USC. That one back in South Bend. Four straight ranked opponents for the Fighting Irish. Yeah, gosh. They, they've they gone through the gauntlet, like we kind of said, and and they've taken their blows. I mean, you know, the, the, the 
lost to Ohio State, which was unfortunate. Probably a game that you should have won, could have won. Again, going over 10 men on the field, back-to-back plays, you just can't do that. The loss against Louisville was an interesting one. That's one I did not expect at all. Um, I, 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 I just I really thought that they were going to be able to take that game, and, and they just absolutely did not. Uh, you know, I mean, Hartman just had three picks, things like that. You know, turning the ball over, couldn't really run the ball at all, um, and and just Louisville just did whatever they wanted, especially in the run game. You know, uh, Louisville's running back just had over almost 150 yards rushing against them. So, um, you know, the defense kind of struggled a little bit, and that's where you're going to have issues with with USC is if your defense is going to struggle against a team like Louisville, no offense to Louisville, you know, they are undefeated and, and they're, you know, they are a good team, a top 25 team, whatever, whatever. But the USC offense um, is with Lincoln Riley and, and Caleb Williams is just another echelon of, of, of offense. And um, you're, you're going to struggle. So and I just I'm not sure if Notre Dame's going to be able to win a shootout because that's what this game is going to be um, because USC has no defense. And so it's, it's going to come down to how well you can execute on offense. And I think that the USC is just going to uh, execute better on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I think that's just what, what it's going to come down to. You know, that that was a weird blip in the radar for Notre Dame I, defensively because, I mean, they're still top 15 in the country in right. defense. Um and more so, it really was just late in that game. I didn't feel like they did a bad job early. I think that the dam broke. There was a couple turnovers late. And they just kind of, to me, what I would worry about is just team collective tiredness. Because, like I said, this will be their fourth ranked game in a row. That's not some little thing. That doesn't happen all the time. Two of them were on the road. Uh, the Ohio State game was an incredibly physical game. It was a low-scoring game. Uh, the Duke game was a physical game. It was a low-scoring game. Louisville just – that fourth quarter, that th- second half, to me, th- I wonder if, again, that's just a culmination of a lot of important football back-to-back-to-back. Right. That's what makes it hard for me. Uh, I said coming into the year, my bold prediction was Notre Dame would win about 10 games and they beat USC. Well, they've already lost twice, so they can't really lose again for any of that to happen. I don't know, man. USC has just not looked great either. Even on their home field against Arizona, they never really figured that out. That's true. Uh, now, Arizona's not bad. I know that sounds weird to say. Are you sure? Maybe. Uh, they they did the same thing at Washington. Washington only beat Arizona by a score uh, and could not pull away from Arizona. So Arizona went back-to-back weeks scaring two of the best three teams in that league. But, you know, I will, I will for the sake of of cohesion i will still say i still picked it on the sheet i'll pick the upset of notre dame ah, i i think that they have interesting they have not unleashed hartman yet and maybe it's their weapons maybe they just don't have enough outside maybe that's just yeah. not attainable for them but i like this is the game in my head this is what i thought of when sam hartman i thought would have a great season is this is the type of game because usc is not a good defense it is in south bend I still don't think there's any reason Notre Dame can't score 35 points or so in this game. But as long as Notre Dame's defense can get a little breather from the offense and not not have again the 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 just a crewing crewing fatigue of several weeks of playing important games in a row, they have a shot at, at limiting USC a little bit. 
uh, because they did it to Ohio State. Ohio right. State scored 17 points. Uh, they they did it to Duke. Riley Leonard was not doing much in that game. I mean, they they, they I get Caleb Williams is a different animal. I get it, but this is at home. This is when your defense gets sure. aided. Absolutely. And if if Arizona can hold him, because Caleb Williams was not awesome last week. He made no. the very important critical plays right. as he but, as, as the great right, players do. But but he was not awesome. So. There's still a pathway to success here, so for the sake of being different, I'll take I'll take the Fighting Irish. Uh, we're down to our last four or five minutes of the show. Uh, another top twenty-five game. We'll kind of skip over North Carolina, Miami. Miami still uh, not understanding what a knee is, and quite frankly, I hope they don't end up kneeing the ball this week because that means they will have lost or won in last play. And I'm, I'm sad. Taking, I played myself. I'm um, taking the heels. I, I picked North Carolina too. Carolina's won four straight uh, since Mac Brown returned against Miami. And uh, this one would be a big loss to Miami. With that random loss to Georgia Tech, if they lose to Carolina, too, they're, they're out of it in yeah. the ACC. Uh, and then you would kind of be focused on Florida State, North and, Carolina, Duke, yep. and Louisville. So uh, this could be an elimination game for the Hurricanes if they can't go into Chapel Hill and win. And, again, last week the NCAA finally did the right thing and, and made Tez Walker uh, eligible. And he had, I believe, six catches in the first game they played against Syracuse. All right. Again, a few minutes left in the program. Keeping it right here. Going all the way to the end. Auburn LSU, final predictions, final thoughts. Man, you got, you got to have the offense get going. I, I I know it's been tough. If you don't improve after the bye week, after building off a little something, especially the run game against Georgia, I don't know when that's happening this year. So I'm going to start lead off by saying I think Auburn will move the ball in this, in this game. I don't know what their ultimate point total is. I don't know if their point total will reflect their yardage. But I'm going to bank on Auburn actually moving the ball, and I'm going to make. Uh, I, I believe they will. They will put up yards. Defensively, though, don't love it. <laughs> yeah, don't love it, tough, and though. it's going to be an interesting challenge. I guess I'll go ahead and give my pick here first. I'm going about 38-24 LSU. The line's 11. Yeah. Uh, now that again, that 24, it's not much different than Georgia. I think though that while they were just skirt over 300 yards against Georgia, I think they'll be around 400 yards against LSU, and I think they'll run for about 250, I think about 150 passing. Yes, I know I'm boldly predicting Auburn to throw for 100 yards in a Power 5 game. Uh, but that, that LSU's, yeah, LSU's defense is really bad at that for whatever reason. They've got some talent. I mean, the DBs are Kinda not crazy. as talented, but yeah. they, they've, got they've got three talent. dudes in the front seven, Harold dudes. Perkins, Mason Smith, Mackay, uh, Wingo, that are all awesome, individually awesome. Yeah, they the rest of what everybody an else odd is stuck. unit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I again I think Daniels be too much. I think Auburn will have some successes offensively and not cash out all those drives and that'll be the difference. I also think the same. I, I what'd you say? You said 38-24. So I'm probably gonna close I, I think that they will be able to move the ball a decent amount as well. Um, just because LSU's defense is so bad, but I think it's just gonna be such a tough, tough challenge. Um I think I'm gonna go I think I'm going to go 35-21 in, in, in favor no of No field LSU. goals. You, no, get, yeah. you get close, you get it all the way. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go 35-21. 20, um, uh, and I just think that the LSU offense is just going to be a little bit too much for the Auburn defense. I think, um, you know, it, I mean, if the Auburn defense can hold hold down this offense, then, then mad respect to them. Like, absolutely – mad respect to them then you can really compete defensively with anybody in the nation um at that point and and so but i again i don't see it happening i just 
you know, the offense, they're going to get a few decent drives here and there, and they are going to get some yards. But I, I think there's there's probably I, – I expect a couple of unfortunate, maybe dumb turnovers, maybe, you know, just, just things that you don't expect, maybe a couple fumbles here and there um, that, that could give short yards to – short yardage to uh, LSU. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I think – I think that's what, yeah, 35-21. Yeah, important moment for Auburn's offense. Again, I'm not too – obviously, I want to win the game, but I'm not too worried if Auburn loses. I'm genuinely no. worried if they do not learn anything offensively. Agreed. They, they, they – Show that you have yeah, something. Yeah, show that you can take advantage of, of a weak defense. And, you, I mean, six games into it, LSU's got a weak defense. They just do. The numbers are too bad to say that they don't. If Arkansas can go score 30 points – in Death Valley, Auburn needs to be around 30 points in, in Death Valley. And, again, you can be a little short of that if you don't cash in a certain opportunity. But you need to be moving the ball and make LSU sweat a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. We don't have quite time out for an extended nightly TV guide, but the nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. College football tonight, Tulane and Memphis. That's coming up in just a few minutes on ESPN. Georgia high school football, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. You've got all action uh, with all different sports tonight. As you got women's college soccer, six thirty Auburn, Texas A and M on the SEC Network Plus, and you got some NASCAR Xfinity qualifying on six o'clock on USA. And that sports calls nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Again, stay tuned. Coming up at six thirty, Borgard High School football right here on Tiger ninety five point nine, six thirty on FM Talk ninety three point nine Smith Station football against Opelika. And then seven or excuse me, ten o'clock, the Alabama High School Athletic Association scoreboard show from ten to midnight. That will do it for the show here this evening. Cam, thank you for being here today. Hope you have a great weekend, sir, and see you again next week. Absolutely. See you next week. That will do it for the show for the day and for the week. As always, we appreciate all those that called in and tuned in. For Brooks Childress and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, War Eagle, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.